This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. And Tiny, how are you doing today? You are under the weather. Friggin' sick, man. Yeah. Not good. Because you're so, you got so sick of how excited you were about Rogue One. That's what it that, is. That wasn't a good transition. Not so much. Yeah, our guest is shaking his head. So anyway, <laughs> today on the podcast, we are talking Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Um, the latest, the first standalone Star Wars movie from the Star Wars anthology standalone movies that Lucasfilm and Disney are putting out. Um, and joining us in the studio today is Mr. Tony Troxell. How's it going, bud? Pretty good, pretty good. Just actually got out of a showing of it myself. So. Nice, <laughs> nice. And uh, why don't you t- why don't you tell everyone like about yourself and everything? Because this is your first guest t- time on this podcast. That's go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I know that this isn't the first time we've all sat together, but it's the first time I've right. been on for you guys. You were kind enough to uh, bless me with your presence a few months ago, talking about Shocktober. <laughs> but right. yeah, I'm Tony Troxel. I run the uh, local blog Geeking in Indiana, which is a blog that showcases items that I think would be of geek interest to uh, Hoosier geeks. Um, I also run the Twitter feed Indiana Geeking, which is lamest humble brag ever incoming the second best twitter feed in indianapolis is voted by readers of nouveau magazine in 2015 and 2016 Jeez, yeah <laughs> i think we were like number 199 or something something sure probably i, 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 <laughs> I love you guys you weren't even nominated we, were, <laughs> we, weren't, yeah, we, weren't, even we were nominated for an indie I, pod net award which i, I think is because not, you nominated us. but i have not been nominated for an indie pod net award so you've got me no, there see there yes. we go Yes. So, and I have not been a I have not been a guest at cons. I have not been on any podcast stages. So uh, okay. So you got me there. You you do have me there. You'll get there, buddy. You'll get there. <laughs> I can only hope, man. Maybe no. one day, just one day, I'll be as cool as the obsessive viewer guys. Oh, God. <laughs> aim higher, buddy. Yes, aim, aim way higher. way higher. Uh, but yeah, thank you for joining us, and thanks for all your your, your helping coverage of of Sharktober Nervington and your support for us and everything. Um, haven't gotten any any PayPal notifications or anything from you. That, there must be an issue with PayPal. That, that's going to be uh, or, coming two thousand seventeen. We're, yeah. we're gonna. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. I'm just kidding, of course. We, Sadly, you know. I'm not. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going to stop you there. But anyway, um, uh, so yeah, and uh, you have a great blog, obviously. Uh, we're big fans of it, and you've spotlighted us numerous times on it, so we are incredibly appreciative of that. And we didn't have to pay you much to do that, so that's really great. Yeah, because yeah, I haven't gotten any PayPal notifications either from well, that donate see, button. You know, so. it's it's kind of tricky, because like, with the fiscal year ending and, you know, the... You know, finally, Money's got to go to certain areas for those uh, tax write-offs, and just got to juggle money around. Exactly. Pizza rolls, mascot Uh, fees. Exactly. Yes, she 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 demands a lot. 
<laughs> but oh, yeah. I forgot to bring the tithe of catnip. She's not going to claw up my backpack, is she? Uh, no promises. No, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this how this episode goes. <laughs> I have the attack signal ready. Um, all right, and before we get into our review here. We're not going to have a new segment. We're not going to have likely not going to have a potpourri. This is going to be all rogue one, uh, but we'll have a, we'll have a non-spoiler review and then we'll go into a spoiler review. You guys will be prompted. No problem. Um, but real quickly, just for people who want to follow you and tweet you spoilers and stuff for, uh, for movies, <laughs> where can they do that? Do not. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talk we were talking before we started recording about someone who, uh, <laughs> tweeted me a spoiler at like midnight thursday night friday morning and mm-hmm. yeah if you if you follow me on social media if you're looking through my instagram feed you'll see pictures of essentially my middle finger yeah. <laughs> um calling out people who post spoilers mm-hmm. but yeah like i said on twitter i'm at indiana geeking look for me on uh, facebook geeking in indiana pretty much if you look up indiana geeking or geeking in indiana you're gonna find me Perfect. And of course, we'll have links to all this in the show notes of this episode. The show notes, of course, for this episode can be found at obsessiveviewer.com slash OV198. All right, let's let's get into this. So Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Um, just for the two people on the planet who don't know, the plot description, according to IMDb, is the Rebel Alliance makes a risky move to steal the plans for the Death Star, setting up the epic saga to follow. This is the... Uh, this is what the fourth Star Wars prequel that we've gotten, guys. Is that right? It is. Yeah. Let, but let, let's not call it a prequel. Let's let's not stain it. Yeah, with, that's with that. That's fair. That's fair. I'm still going to call it a prequel. No, because <laughs> you're but, a horrible person, <laughs> and I like to troll people that love Star Wars. Even though I'm, this is the second time. This is the second year that we've gotten a new Star Wars movie, and it's the second time that I've seen that Star Wars movie. T- like more than once in the theater and it's getting harder and harder to troll you guys. Cause it's, I mean, I'm starting to slowly become a bigger star Wars fan and, uh, it's just not that much fun when I don't have, when I can't make fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. um, so let's start this off with just a kind of going around, around, uh, the panel here and asking how people saw, how you guys saw the movie, what format, what, like what, day i guess would be um and particularly of particular interest and uh what format and everything so tiny you haven't really said that much and you're you're under the weather so i'm going to put you on the spot here okay uh how and when did you see star or rogue one a star wars story i actually it took me forever i didn't see it till monday after it came out um which is forever nowadays right um because i had the day off and i i, did, I couldn't take the day off to go to a midnight screening or anything uh, but I had Monday off, so I wanted to avoid the crowds, and I went to a matinee. Uh, I went to the Dolby Theater at uh, the Castleton AMC. The Dolby Atmos is that the Dolby that's just it's just upgrading the sound quality of it? Is that correct? I think there's actually some some visual upgrades too. Oh, yeah, okay. To an extent, yeah. Nice. I'm not sure how how they're upgraded, but they do. It is it is a little bit better. Okay. Um, but the sound is the big the big show, and it's mm-hmm. it's that's the big feature of that of that theater. Uh, it has a really cool aesthetic to it. It's it it just has like a, it feels like you're inside a speaker, kind of. It's got a really okay. cool feel to it. Um, so that was my first time being in that theater. Um, having said that, I I liked it. I thought it was cool, but I went to a matinee and I paid fourteen dollars to see the damn movie. Oh yeah. So they charge you. They charge you like you're seeing a three D movie. Okay. And huh. I mean, it was it was a great experience. And if you're if you're like kind of a sound geek or something. Mm-hmm. 
go for it. But for me, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's worth that extra money for okay. me personally. Um, but you know, if, if, if the next showing was like two hours after that, so I was like, screw it. I'll just pay the 14 bucks. I don't want to wait. But, okay. Uh, I had a great experience. It was about half full. Okay. Um, and that was the middle of the day on a Monday. So hello, nice. Star Wars. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Tony, how about you? How did you see it? All right. Uh, much like uh, Tiny, I saw uh, the first time Saturday at 12.30, also in the Dolby Theater. Nice. One thing that they did um, show was they were showing a difference in the picture before yeah. the film. They okay. did the, here's the normal normal picture, and it shows like the black, and how it's still like off black, slightly gray, and then mm-hmm. here's our true color and all that. They were doing that, which... And I'll, I'll get to why I really noticed this in a minute, but it also caused the picture to be kind of dark. It did. Interesting. It, it was, it was kind of, there were parts in Rogue One that were very difficult to see, mm-hmm. but it was, when you could see it, it was very crisp. Yeah. It was very, it was okay. a good picture. The seats were comfortable. There was plenty of elbow room. Uh, the sound, like I said, was just incredible. Yeah. You know, I think they had speakers under the seats and all that. Uh huh. The second time I saw it was a uh, 4.45 showing in one of the digital theaters <laughs> over at uh, AMC Traders Point. Yep. And this, once again, the assigned seating, recliners, not as nice as a Dolby, mm-hmm. but I was able to see a lot of the stuff better. <laughs> <laughs> the picture was a lot brighter. It wasn't as crisp, mm-hmm. maybe, but it's, I mean, it's still digital. It's still bright, Not, but I... To go back to Dolby, I think the Dolby screen is also a little bit bigger. We're not talking IMAX size. Okay. Right. And it could just be the fact that I have the memory of Dory, but <laughs> just keep swimming. Nice. Um, but like I said, it, just, it seemed like the Dolby uh, picture was a little bit bigger, but it wasn't as bright. And okay. I could see some stuff better on this time around. Yeah, I okay. agree with that. It was, it is, I think it is a little bit bigger screen. And- and I know what you're talking about about the darkness. Yeah. I, I noticed that right off the bat too. And to the person who brought their look like a four month old child to the theater, I understand uh, you really want to see Star Wars. I understand the little one's a little young to be trusting mm-hmm. to the care of a babysitter. And I do give you props for being courteous enough that as soon as they would start fussing, you would leave the theater. Mm-hmm. But. <sighs> Was that in the Dolby screening that you went to? No, that was okay. uh, the one Tonight's. this afternoon. Uh, this okay. afternoon. So okay. it's like, I, I, I understand. I give you props for when the little ones started fussing, getting out of there, mm-hmm. but make better choices. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that I would go on. I'd go on a tangent. <laughs> but yeah, like just it's the I understand. Yeah. Like you said, all the things you said, you understand everything sure yeah, i'm a dad but I, it's, under, I yeah. understand but it's also it's i mean it's the first week of it like if you're that hard up to see it and everything you know work something out maybe um i don't i don't know but i don't know i don't have kids so you guys are assholes um, yeah <laughs> I'm kidding. actually I, that I was uh, my notion. nickname in my english comp class over the summer <laughs> okay <laughs> nice. true story <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that's great. So, okay. And then I'll, I guess I'll go ahead with mine. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's how it works. I think. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. So, uh, okay. So first of all, both of you guys, 2d only. 2D, yeah. yes. 2D? Gotcha. Not a 3d fan. Me yeah. neither. Um, I went to, having said that, I went to seven thirty showing Thursday night 
the night that it came out um, with Feckus and his brother and a bunch of a bunch of guys. Um, he had bought the tickets beforehand, so he got the he got three D tickets. So it wasn't necessarily my choice, but that's cool. I still owe him the sixteen dollars for it. But um, <laughs> Feckus, when you're listening to this, we'll 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 settle up. But anyway, um, we went to the three D IMAX three uh, D IMAX screening at uh, Castleton on the north side. I think it was an IMAX screening. But, uh, you know, it, what struck me about it was this was the 7.30 screening for the new Star Wars movie. And, like, I remembered last year when we went to The Force Awakens, we went to the, I think it was the 10 o'clock showing or 7? I'm not sure which 10 one. 10 o'clock. It was 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember, like, there were line, like, they were out the door. Everyone was lined up and ready to go. Here, it was like, I walked in about a half an hour early, and, like, there was, like, no fanfare in the, in the lobby or anything. There was no, no one was really, they didn't have that mm. big fanfare or anything. Uh, yeah, which kind of, I don't know. It didn't surprise me that much because, I, like, I get it. It's it's not a saga movie. It's not an episode movie. Um, but it's still a Star Wars movie. I kind of thought that if this is the second Star Wars movie out of the Disney deal, like, it would still have that kind of thing. But, yeah. Well, if I may. Sure. One thing you got to remember, like, when Phantom Menace came out, it, mm-hmm. was, after, it was after a drought. There was uh-huh. no real new stuff. So... There were the, that's when you had people lining up overnight for mm-hmm. pre-sale tickets. Then you had the lines around the building on opening night. Mm-hmm. When Force Awakens came out once again, it was after a drought, and that, yeah. and it was also after the prequels. And this was right. the hope <laughs> that you know it was going to make up for the prequels, which sure. I will be an apologist for in some parts, but mm-hmm. we're not getting into that. <laughs> right. Um, so this is this is the sophomore year. This is the second mm-hmm. year that they're doing Star Wars every year now. So right. it's not, you know, your lineups are happening because of, you know, your lineups aren't happening because people are buying their tickets online. Mm-hmm. You're not waiting in line to get your get a good seat because mm-hmm. your seat's already assigned to you. Right. So that's and that's and that's fair. And that's also worth mentioning that the AMC theater that I went to, they like the AMC theaters in the area have all upgraded their seating. Um, so that also not only does it upgrade the seating to be more comfortable and has assigned seating and reserved seating, it also cuts down the amount of seating in the theater as well. So yeah. the amount of tickets sold isn't the same as the amount of tickets sold last year. But the screening itself was actually not even sold out in it. So that's what kind of surprised me there. Um, but yeah, we 3D. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so we saw it in 3D and the 3D, I... I don't think anything really stood out to me the way that, um, like in The Force Awakens, I saw that in 3D as well. Um, in The Force Awakens at the beginning when Kylo stops the, stops the blaster bolt with his, with the Force, mm-hmm. um, seeing that in 3D is like really badass and really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was nothing like that in this movie that, that had that effect on me that was like, oh, this is, this is worth the price of 3D. Um, and then I saw it again on Saturday, Sunday. Um, yeah, it was Sunday, um, in 2D, um, using my movie pass, which was, that was the last, the last day of my movie pass subscription that I bought for a year. We'll talk more about that in the next episode, but, um, in 2D, it was, that was a more of a packed screening, which was not that surprising to me, but, um, but yeah, and, and it was, was great. <laughs> it looked good. Um, Let's go ahead and dive into specifics about the movie. Like, what were your guys' overall thoughts on the movie coming out of it? What were your expectations going in, first of all? Uh, how did you feel about this 
how did you feel about getting another Star Wars prequel? <laughs> and what, how did the how did the finished product uh, affect your um, expectations, or did it meet or exceed, or uh, you know, all of the above <laughs> your expectations? <laughs> Tony, uh, go nuts. Oh man, I gotta get called on first. Great. Um, well, going in, I mean, one thing to remember: I'm 39 years old. I was born May 23rd, 1977. Star Wars premiered May 25th, 1977. Oh, wow. Wow. I have quite literally grown up with Star Wars. Mm. Yeah. Why all these action figures are worth so much now, are because little jerks like me tore them apart when we were kids. Okay, so. When I first saw the trailers for Rogue One and I'm seeing the stuff that I grew up with, it's, mm-hmm. there's not anything new, not a new Lucasfilm designer putting their own spin on it. Mm-hmm. It's Star Destroyers. It's blockade runners. It's X-Wings with like full circle engines on them. It's Y-Wings. It's Rebel pilots, Rebel fleet troopers. I'm looking at this going, oh my God. It's like, that is my chewy we're home. Yeah, moment nice. right there. Okay. okay, not Force Awakens. That is mm-hmm. so. I'm just like I'm getting the opportunity to see a new tale that's set in the Star Wars that I know and that I've grown up with. And after the second trailer, where they started giving away some of the story points, mm-hmm. I backed away. I mean, like how you were complaining about all the internet. You know, people doing speculation yeah. and trying to put stuff together. I backed so far away from that nice. until I got ruined. I got spoiled on one plot point on Twitter the night it premiered. Mm-hmm. And that, so I just deleted my uh, Twitter app and stayed clean until Saturday. Um, I will admit, um, when I saw it, when it first, when it opened, when it started, I teared up a little. And then when you start, yeah. start seeing all these really familiar elements, but they're being done using new technology, mm-hmm. and but you're still seeing actual X-wings parked on the ground on Yavin Four and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, no, I I love that. And then the storyline, you know, you, you knew what was going to happen. I yeah. I made all the jokes about they destroy the Death Star, they start the Rogue timeline. J.J. Abrams comes back <laughs> with a new young cast. But uh, oh, that's awesome! Alder- Alderaan survives. You know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so. That is perfect. <laughs> I wish I would have. I wish fake, I would have remembered. I wish I would have thought of that joke. <laughs> my fake Rogue One spoilers. <laughs> so I, I guess it. karmically, I deserve the actual Rogue One sure. spoiler Thursday night, but. <laughs> But mm. no, it was, I mean, we know how it ends, but this is definitely mm. one that it's the journey. How yeah. did they get there? And it didn't disappoint. Nice. So how would you rank it um, against Force Awakens, first of all? I need to give it a couple more viewings. Okay. I mean, I really do. It's, I definitely rank it above the prequels in Jedi. Mm-hmm. I'm bouncing back and forth on whether or not I rank it above A New Hope. Oh, interesting. It is, oh, be- wow. it is below um, Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. But I also bounce around whether or not Force Awakens is above or below A New Hope because mm-hmm. eh, they're, they're the same film. But right. Um, right. <laughs> I'm glad you're the yeah. one that said it, not me. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. Right. But um, yeah, and that's, that's not a bad thing, but we won't, mm-hmm. won't go back. Sure. Um, moving forward, looking ahead to the mm-hmm. film that set before four of them. But anyway... <laughs> 
No, it's 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 towards the top. I'm just still debating where I'm placing it. Okay, nice. Okay. Um, it's no, it's uh, did did either of you guys do the whole when you left Rogue One, went home and watched A New Hope? I I wanted to Sunday, but I was also like I, <laughs> uh, I was also like I've I've finally become prepared to. Uh, watch the next generation so i started the oh, next okay. generation instead so um but yeah um, i wanted to my dvd player is broken right now is it really yeah so i can't watch oh, any of my dude DVDs, yeah my ps3 oh. crapped out finally so I can't. oh that sucks i gotta get a new blu-ray player so Dang. but um no i i but i did mm-hmm. yeah. i went home i've got the despecialized version of a new hope so it's the nice. one i grew up with okay. and um we'll we'll, awesome. we'll talk about that after we're done recording okay. <laughs> um but um yeah, A New Hope is almost kind of slow. Interesting. After after you watch Rogue huh. One, and Rogue One didn't start out real quick. No, it really no. didn't. And we'll get into so, that. Yeah. But yeah, it it yeah. Um, interesting. So that's good. So so um, you know they did their Ahmed best to to do. A good I prequel. hate you. <laughs> See, we did. We didn't lay down the rules. We didn't. We didn't <laughs> lay down the rules. I, I threw it in there. Um, <laughs> I went through the, I did the trench run or something through. I don't know Star Wars. Um, <laughs> and start Star Star Wars crack here. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm gonna set my uh, phaser to. Um, I hate you. <laughs> over to Tiny, and uh, why don't you uh, beam us your thoughts, your overall thoughts <laughs> on Rogue One here in the holodeck of. Go. What did you think of Rogue One, Tiny? Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Stay on target. Yeah. Stay on target. Really. Matt needs the force. I know. Um, so this may shock people, but I actually did not love Rogue One. Um, I really, I really wanted to. Um, put, putting it in, uh, I guess, filing it where I, where my preferences. I, I mm-hmm. would say it's probably the fourth best. Okay. Out of all eight movies so far, in my book, um, what's a what's above it? The original trilogy and Force Awakens. Uh, I would say or, for me, I can't new, count. For me, A New Hope is my favorite, uh, okay. followed by um, uh, Empire, mm-hmm. and then Force Awakens, and then I would say Rogue One, and then uh, Return, and then the shitty prequels. Gotcha. Um, so that's that's how I would rank it. So I mean, I did like it better than. Uh, you know, Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the original movies. So if you know, if if that saves any face for me, I don't know if it does or not. <laughs> but I mean, people, I think people resoundingly liked Rogue One, and I, yeah, I, I definitely liked it. Uh, but again, I, 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 Tony mentioned you know getting teared up at, at the beginning. That was me with Episode Seven, mm-hmm. Force Awakens, when this when the crawl started. I just just like, oh, I did just, that too. Yeah, but but this time I'm glad they didn't have a they didn't you know mm-hmm. have a crawl. That's a spoiler. I'm sorry. Oh, that's, that's fine. We'll, actually we'll get been into that. fairly common knowledge. Has it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Um, <laughs> I'm glad they didn't use the crawl, and I think that was a good choice. But maybe that was why I didn't have quite mm-hmm. the hook right at the beginning. But it's that's not a criticism. It's just my own personal reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just thought it was kind of slow. And and this is the, you know, this is the eighth Star Wars movie we've gotten. Mm-hmm. I'm, unless I'm mistaken, this is the first one that we have not had a uh, lightsaber battle. And right. I really yeah. felt that. I mean, I, I I really missed the lightsabers. I missed, I missed the Force. I missed all this. 
I missed the philosophy and, and the depth of the the other movies and the other characters and storylines. I really missed it, and not that it felt detached from the Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. it just didn't. It didn't have the same anchor to it. I guess it didn't have the same weight that I appreciate. Yeah. Um, but having said that. I loved a lot of these characters mm-hmm. so much, and, and I thought it was a cool story. Like Tony said, it's about the journey. We know where we're going, and I think it was a fun journey, and I think they did a pretty good job with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just didn't have – it didn't wrap me up and just like, you know, I wasn't – there was some obviously a ton of nostalgia there, mm-hmm. um, but it just didn't – it didn't grab me the way I was hoping. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's totally fair. And that's surprising, too. Yeah. This will be fun to discuss with you guys. Definitely. Um, as for me, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Um, let's see. Where to begin? <laughs> so I love the idea of them filling in, filling in, not, well, I guess not necessarily the gaps, but to some extent, filling in the gaps of, of the entire saga with these standalone movies. Um, and I like the idea of going back and finding this. Uh, the story of how they got the Death Star plans and everything like that. That is an intriguing concept and it kind of plays on one of the things that I, um, not necessarily, not really one of the, one of my dislikes of the, of the original trilogy, but more, um, my disappointment in that it's the move, the franchise is Star Wars and the original trilogy is this rebellion. And it seems like there was a lot of, um, emphasis on the mysticism and the Jedi and everything and not enough of the galactic civil war that's going on. Um, that was one of the things that I, I kind of, I think when revisiting the original trilogy at some point, I was like, I, I really wish that there was more, more of the, the fight, more of the, more of the war of star Wars. And this is what this movie delivered for me, uh, was that. And to tiny's point about, him missing the Jedi and the mysticism and everything on my second viewing, I kind of realized that that's kind of what was working for me for this movie a lot because I, because with, with the Jedi and all of the mythology and everything and throughout the saga, it's like it puts this franchise into more of a fantasy camp than anything. Um, and Mike, our co-host is on sabbatical who you guys may be hearing from in, in a little bit here. You guys will. That's anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, um, he he has stated many times that he's not a fan of fantasy, but he loves Star Wars, and Star Wars is basically fantasy. There's a princess, there's wizards, and there's magic and stuff. It's it's a fantasy series, mm-hmm. and having this installment of it kind of step away from that, have this grounded story of this rebellion and the fighters in the rebellion and have it be less about the mysticism and everything, all of that really combined to really work for me in a big way. And it became more, more of a science fiction movie than it was a science fiction fantasy movie. And that's something that I really liked. And not to say that there isn't force stuff or anything like that, um, in the movie, there is stuff there and the way that they implemented it into the movie, I felt was really effective and really, uh, really inventive and new for this concept because this is a movie that exists after the Jedi have been massacred and everything. So you don't get the traditional lightsaber fight like, like Tiny mentioned and you don't get, you know, someone grappling with the, the fact that they're, you know, Oh, I, I, I have, I have a force sensitivity, so I'm a Jedi. Um, here, what's this lightsaber? Boom. Oh, cool. Um, there's nothing (laughs) like that. And I think that works in this movie's favor a lot. 
Um, having said that, there were some things that I took a little bit of issue with. Um, certain, certain technological things that were done uh, weren't necessarily to my liking, um, which we'll get more into that probably in the spoiler section of the of the episode. Um, but that kind of didn't really work for me in in a big way, and I kind of. I agree that it was pretty slow at the beginning. It took a little bit to get going. And the more I've kind of thought about it, I feel like there was reports of extensive reshoots, which that happens on movies. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. But I kind of felt like there was a little bit like, I felt like the story wasn't as tight as it could have been. Like there were certain things throughout the movie that I felt like, like I didn't really get, the character motivations in certain, in certain scenes. And also, and this is something that Mike will talk about in his mini review that we'll have later in the episode. But also while I loved the characters or I enjoyed watching these characters, since this is a standalone movie and there's no plans for any expansion of this, of this storyline or anything, you get one movie with this set of characters and this set of characters has this one movie to develop each one. And it's a big ensemble. I feel like they, while a lot of the characters, actually the core cast, all of them across the board were really interesting and really, really well done and everything, I still feel like there wasn't enough to really make me think like, I need to get, or like, oh, I can't, I didn't come away from it thinking like, oh, this one character was really great, even though one character, I did say that character is really great. But it was like coming back out of Force Awakens, I thought, oh, Poe Dameron, I'm he's he's my guy. I'm excited for I like I I love his character. I didn't really have that effect on really any of the characters um in this movie. But the ones that they did the ones that I did enjoy or or that's not to say that I didn't enjoy any of the characters. Um I did enjoy them in the moment. And overall, I think this was a very strong movie and uh, it came at a time where the standalone Star Wars movies are were in question of whether or not they would be able to hold their own against the saga movies or tied the fan base between saga movies. And this, I think, was a very strong um, opening or very strong um, first outing for standalone movies. And I've talked a lot. <laughs> yeah. So let's dive How in. How you speak so much on your own podcast? <laughs> right. um, I did not, like I just kept going and you guys didn't stop me. But um, so having said all that, I, I enjoyed the movie quite a bit and I can't wait to get into the finer details of it. So um, let's talk characters, really. Do you guys want to go with character discussions first yeah okay cool because i did not make any notes for this podcast (laughs) (laughs) so yeah as i said the the characters didn't really do much for me there was one character in particular that i was freaking all about it and ironically it was the kind of force uh sensitive (laughs) character um played by uh uh, donnie yen um and that's another thing. I couldn't remember like any of the characters' names. Yeah, none of them stood out to me. Really. Yeah, but his was. Uh, I'm gonna butcher this. It's a Churit Imwa. Actually, I think he almost nailed it. Oh, nice, awesome. Uh, so, what do you guys think of him? He's the blind um, Tony. What is it called? The keepers of the t- um, the uh, keepers of the wills. There we go. Which is fun because once again, going going deep <laughs> Star Wars geek, you know, the, orig- the original script was the Journal of the Wills. Mm-hmm. The original, original trilogy, original. The, yeah, the original mm-hmm. Star Wars script was, that was kind of the sub mm-hmm. title for it. Hence so the long bringing, time ago. Yeah, bringing, uh, bringing the concept of the Wills and the Guardians of the Wills who guarded these 
kyber crystals. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I remember that. Um, <laughs> you know, they're on, uh, what was it, Jedi? Jedi, uh, Jedi yeah. 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 Which in no way sounds like Jedi. Right. right. That wasn't subtle. Well, yeah. did you guys see, I think it was but, in, on that, the uh, the kind of downed statue Oh yeah, in sand. Yeah. Like that was, I kind of missed it on my second viewing. Um, but yeah, I noticed that the first viewing, I just think that that's really good detail. Um, really good detail um, for that. But, but yeah. to stay anyway. on target, to bring, yeah, it, to there you bring go. it back. <laughs> yeah, no, he was, and I mean, he had some great, great lines. Yeah. So great. They put the sack over his head. You know, I'm blind. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh yeah, that was great. And the, uh, the action beats with, with him, um, he has a couple really great and stupendous um, uh, sequences that he's that he's you know displays his action. I, he was the he was a uh, in the Ip Man Ip Man movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, of which he's amazing at those. Right. Um, yeah, and him and the other guy, like his like partner guy. Um, <laughs> like what I noticed um, on my second viewing was that the gun that he has. It felt like that wasn't a that wasn't a weapon that I feel like we've really gotten to see that much in the Star Wars movies, at least that I can remember. It's like it's like a machine gun in like the rapid fire of the of the the bolts was just like I was like all about that character and his like badassness. Um I really I really like that. Yeah. Me too. I think uh the the two Asian characters, mm -hmm. uh played by Donnie Yen and, and Win Zhang, mm -hmm. I thought they were those are my two favorite characters. Yeah. And they were kind of ancillary, which was interesting. Um, I, I feel like, even though this is not one of the, the saga movies, mm -hmm. um, I feel like these characters filled a lot of the similar tropes mm -hmm. from past Star Wars movie movies. And what's funny is I think these two characters were the most like C-3PO and R2-D2, except they spoke English the whole time. Sure, yeah. Because yeah. I, I think they mm -hmm. had really funny rapport. Mm -hmm. um, Bays was the, the guy with the machine gun. He was kind of mm -hmm. like a smart ass and kind of like quirky, like R2 is. And the other guy, also kind of smart ass, he, yeah. smart alecky, but he was a little more proper, I guess you could say. I don't know. That's kind of the feel I got with them. That's, that's kind of the dynamic they had. They played mm -hmm. off each other that way. And it, incidentally it, enough... Some of the other characters that you would think would be—I uh, don't—I don't know if we want to get to those other characters or not—but the the droid in this movie felt like a human character more than the droids in the past movies, right? And I thought that was kind of just kind of a fun turn of events. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they, they were my favorite characters, uh, and I'm, yeah, there was yeah, one. those two characters. Had this been a saga movie, like if this if this was a like a saga movie, those were like the only two characters that I feel like if there were talk, there was talk of like a spinoff, like if they were, if these, if this was a saga movie, if they were in the original trilogy, if all the characters, let's say rogue one was an original trilogy movie. Um, I feel like those are the only two characters in this movie that would, that would be talked about like, Oh, let's get them. A, let's yeah. get them an anthology movie. Right. Um, and I think that's both to their credit and to the detriment of the overall writing of the, of the movie for me. But, um, Tony, what'd you think of what, of them? And, you know, like you said, most of the characters, while they did a good job fleshing them out as well as they could mm -hmm. in the time the movie allowed, I mean, I left that second viewing and I still need IMDb yeah. to remember character names. Yeah, mm -hmm. The only one that really stuck out, because I am a Alan Tudyk fanboy, mm -hmm. was uh, K2SO. Yeah. And mainly because he was also such a sarcastic... Yes. <laughs> 
you know, wise ass. And right. He's he's like he's if R two D two could talk, it's almost <laughs> yeah true yeah. Personally, and, I think and part was... part of me kind of wants to see him play kickball with BB eight. But anyway, <laughs> oh that oh man oh that that's awesome. That'd be great. <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought it was really brave of them to have a character that is clearly. Like the love child of C-3PO and Chappie, though. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I did find it very amusing that a uh, character voiced by Alan Tudyk was flying a cargo ship with a front-facing uh, cargo bay door <laughs> that people were e- entering and exiting it out of. Probably it. reading a bit too much into that. Yeah. But, yeah, very, very Firefly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, friend of the show, Kate Chaplin, she posted on Facebook. Hey, uh, she, shared, she shared an image that was just a drawing of Kate. <laughs> 2SO playing with the two toys and like, oh, curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Like, <laughs> curse your sudden but inevitable mashup. Yeah, there you go. Mashup. Yes, yeah. That's it. That yeah. Was, that was great. Awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. And while we're talking about K2SO, um, you know, I. I First of all, I, I did not piece it together that it was Alan Tudyk until the end credits. I was like, that was kind of like, a, oh, wow, that's awesome. Me too. Um, yeah. And I kind of. While I think that he was great for 80% of the movie, 80 to 85% of the movie, there were like some moments where I felt like he was just a little too dry. Um, but that was uh, better on repeat on the second viewing. Um, but like, like there was, there's like one scene in particular where, um, I don't know if I really want to give it away, but it's just like he he asks uh, um, Cassian if he wants to know the odds of, of a certain thing. And then like he's just the way that K2SO says like it's high. It's really high. Um, it's just the the way that that's handled is just so beautiful. And it's like the best like comedic beat of the movie for me probably. Um, yeah. So so I'm I'm glad that they – they found a good balance for, um, uh, for the droid in the movie. Um, and it wasn't like an overbearing thing. It wasn't like, like we got the super cute, adorable BB eight and we've got, we've had the kind of really annoying and a little bit frustrating by my account, R2, D2 and C3PO. But no, this is a good balance to, to that. Like this is a likable character who is funny and, uh, memorable. Agreed. Um, yeah. And uh, we're kind of running down the list here, really. But uh, Felicity Jones and Diego Luna as Jin Ursa, Urso and Cassian Andor. Um, this is where I had a little bit of trouble in the movie. Um, I feel like there was, in terms of Jin Urso's backstory, I feel like there was a lot more to be desired. I, I kind of find my found myself when... Um, well, I mean, I guess uh, I'm kind of second guessing myself if we should save that for spoilers or not. But I found myself when when she's entered into the overall plot line or, or the main plot of the movie by the rebellion or the rebel alliance, I kind of felt like I felt like there was a disconnect between what we'd seen previous to that and how we got to that moment. I kind of felt like what has she been doing all these like this whole time? And, and how does it connect with what's what's going on here? And then that's kind of the same way with, with Cassian's character, because we see him do something early on in the movie, and I'm kind of like, it puts it puts the Rebel Alliance in a specific light, which I appreciated, and I'm suddenly realizing we should save this for all for spoilers, but we'll talk about it more in detail in spoilers, but I kind of felt like there was, maybe this is a... Um, 
proof of the reshoots being more of an issue than than uh, than let on. But I kind of feel like there was some story beat elements that were missing in the early moments, and I think that's what contributed to being the first. 30 to 45 minutes being kind of slow and meandering. Um, did they, either of you guys get that uh, impression? Well, I didn't think too much about the reshoots being a cause mm-hmm. of it. I, I, That's just an estimation. Yeah, I mean, and it very well could be. Yeah. Um, you saw evidence of a lot of that just by things that were shown in the trailers not mm-hmm. being in the film. But um, which I was I was going to touch on that on spoilers. Oh, I'm not yeah. sure if you guys are going to thinking about that or not. But, the trailer stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, we can talk about it in spoilers. Yeah, it's that that first thirty to forty minutes, and they jumped around so much. Yeah, planets. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually wrote this seven planets, not counting the Death Star that oh, they wow. had in this film. Wow. I'm not sure if you guys have ever noticed they normally have three distinct mm-hmm. environments. Yeah. In Star Wars films. Yeah. They were on seven different locations. <laughs> That's part of why if you saw my tweet talking mm-hmm. about making notes in a dark theater is hard. I can't even read my own handwriting. That's <laughs> because I was trying to write down the planet names. But I, yeah. I don't have them. I can't read my own handwriting. Yeah. <laughs> and only two of them were familiar. Yeah, the Death Star, do you have it for? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. remember that seven doesn't count the Death Star. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Geez, there so you go. it's seven plus the Death Star. There's one yeah. other one that's that they didn't name in the movie that we'll talk about in spoilers, but that's also kind of uh, familiar to it's one. It's one of the seven. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's, let's go through a couple more of the characters really. And then we can, we can just kind of dive into spoilers after that. Cause it's kind of hard to talk around this. Um, I would everything. like to point out that mm-hmm. in none of these characters, were there any damn Bothans stop saying, right. <laughs> Stop bringing up the Both and stealing the Death Star plans. That was the second Death Star. I think I I think <laughs> I made that mistake in one of the one of the Star Wars episodes we did, and then like I've been kicking myself mentally over that because yeah, that is that's the sixth movie that it is. But um, yeah, I can mark <laughs> that off my notes now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so real quickly, uh, Riz Ahmed and Mads Mikkelsen. Riz Ahmed, we're, we here at the Obsessive Viewer are fans of him. And Mads Mikkelsen, I, I personally enjoy quite a bit. How did you guys feel they were um, handled in, in the movie? And how did you feel that they performed? Tiny. <laughs> well, Riz Ahmed, I feel like, was was not used very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like his character was just... I Actually, I'm going to say this about all the characters. I feel like pretty much every character in this movie was like a placeholder. Um, I I don't know. It just, It felt like... They they developed a lot of them relatively well, but it just felt like, you know, this is just these are just going to be so compartmentalized characters that it's going to be hard for you to latch on to them. And and I feel like Riz Ahmed's character uh, Bodhi, um, is that his name? Yeah, 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 Bodhi. Bodhi. Um, I feel like he just he was just kind of there. I mean, he was just. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't feel like he contributed a ton as far as like were like being a member of the team. I mean I mean obviously he played a role and then he had vital information and this and that. But he I like I I, I don't know what his defining characteristic is. So I, I the hmm. poor guy was being drug along, you know, when the when the group first meets him, yeah. his brain is messed up yeah. from that creature that Saul used on him to find out the truth. And then he starts getting drug along and then when they grab the you know the K2SO does a whole now you're now you're a rebel sort of thing. Yeah, he he started doing more as the film went on, but yeah, he was just kind of 
he stumbled into it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's kind of, kind of the feeling yeah. I got from Bodhi is like, yeah. I thought I was trying to help. I thought I was delivering a message and I'm out and now I'm in the middle of all this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can kind of see that too, for sure. He, he kind of felt a little bit like a, uh, kind of like the joy to the movie. I mean, he's just kind of a, he's kind of a, he's in, he's in the mix of what's going on, but he's more of a passive participant in it, but he's, he's a, an integral part of it, much like the droids in the original trilogy were. Um, and I can, and yeah, I think that Riz Ahmed did a fine job. I, I really like him as an actor, but I agree. And that, that is kind of a stumbling point for the whole movie is that a lot of the characters didn't have that, that kind of feel to it. And I kind of wonder if that's because this, this is truly the only movie in the franchise that is its own contained thing. It's not built to have it to build upon each other. Like every, every movie um, at this point has been an episodic serial movie that uh, is, is building on what's come before and, and and building toward what's coming after. Um, This is the one that's, it's kind of, filling in a gap in, in the story. Um, and I kind of think that maybe that could contribute to the characters not being that, uh, well realized or not having that impression of being well realized, um, on our end. Yeah. And then, and then Mads Mikkelsen, I mm-hmm. love him. He is such a great, like character actor. He's, he's very, he, he's a bit chameleon. Like I, I think mm-hmm. he's, he's really impressive as an actor. Uh, but again, I, I, I think his character kind of, I really love his role in the story. I think mm-hmm. it's a cool role. Um, I, I think he he's such a he's so integral to the, he's like the linchpin of this entire story. So obviously mm-hmm. he's a big deal, and I think it's cool the way his character was involved. But again, I th- I think a lot of he he's the linchpin of the story, but it feels so many times throughout the movie like he's really just there to influence the character of Jin. Mm-hmm. And it's like he—he's just—he's just backstory for her now. It's kind of what it feels like throughout a lot of the movie. And again, I think he could have been used to better effect. Mm-hmm. I loved the opening scene though. Yeah, uh, where he's him and his family. I—it just looked the cinematography was astounding, mm-hmm. and that was just a really cool scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't want to throw that out there. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see, Tony. Do you have any on those or? I'm not much of a character person, like I said, gotcha. very superficial. So okay. gotcha. I'm sure. super busy looking at their costumes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then we'll round out the, the discussion of the cast real quick with uh, Forrest Whitaker as Saw Guerrera and Ben Mendelsohn as Orson Krennic. What did you guys think of their inclusion in the movie? Um, I thought Forrest Whitaker was... Um, he was definitely... He was the most kind of out there character. He kind of had some interesting affectations on his voice and, and his uh, performance and everything. Um, and I understand that he is a character in star Wars rebels. No, he, uh, no. clone wars, clone wars. There and then go. they're going to bring him into rebels. And there we go. I haven't seen clone wars. So mm-hmm. that's just over my head. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Um, and I think that it worked well, um, in the context of this, of this entire franchise. Cause he kind of, I got, I got like uh, shades of like General Grievous off of him, just in terms of just the some of the things about his character, not specific character things, but just kind of had the same kind of thing. It, it kind of felt like a partially mecha- mechanized um, creature, essentially, like a like combination of um, uh, um, wow, um, organic and. Um, 
machine character. And I, I kind of like that it kind of, uh, I can make that connection. Um, and it's, I'm glad that, you know, in Rogue One, that's one of the only like prequel connections I could make. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Ben Mendelsohn, I thought was, was really great. Um, like that guy is just, he's, he's great at playing a menacing, a menacing character. Um, and I just feel like, but I feel like that, that character alone, um, if we didn't have the backstory of, of the dark side and, and, and the, the empire and everything like that character by himself would be a little flimsy. Like it's just kind of more, more of a, like, <laughs> it's like, it's like Disney and, um, uh, Lucasfilm were like, okay, let's do the Marvel Studios treatment of our villain in this movie. <laughs> kind of like a, let's make a villain, let's get let's get a really talented actor for it, and let's just let's just let them do their thing there, um, and not but really they worry didn't about Mickelson's eyes. Oh yeah, that's yeah, true. <laughs> they didn't. That was just shocking, right? Um, so yeah, so let's. You know, let's just kind of stop beating around the bush and let's go into spoilers for this yeah, movie. Let's be let's um, be honest. When you're talking about a Star Wars film, there's so much of it that could be considered spoilers by people. Absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's go into spoilers. But before we do that, I have a couple – there's a couple things that I want to kind of bring up and then we can kind of expound upon them in our spoiler talk. So, first of all, in the podcast – or in the Facebook group page for the podcast, which can be found at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. It's the pinned post at the top of the page. Um, I posted a question on the Facebook group asking what everyone thought of Rogue One, Star Wars story. So I'll go ahead and kind of go through some of the responses we got. Um, first of all, Brandon Yotter from Billy and Brandon watch movies. He said, it's a good movie. I liked it, but at times it falls into the ghost, the ghostbusters trap of it isn't a star Wars movie. One second. And look at these cool star Wars references. The next, <laughs> even just the music, they're trying to make it sound like it wasn't like it isn't star Wars music. Then they drop in a very recognizable song. Then he went on to say, honestly, the story is more engaging than the force awakens and it looks beautiful. Just not quite as fun. It's better than the last handful of Marvel movies. It certainly has a more original plot than anything Disney has done in a long time, <laughs> which uh, is is a little bit a little bit uh, incendiary, I guess, just a tad. Like it's a little bit shots fired over there. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like but, to yeah. touch on one of the things yeah, you mentioned absolutely. there was the score. Yeah, the we score didn't. Yeah, was very. I mean, and I always slaughter the guy's name. It's Michael Michael Giacchino. Giacchino. Mm -hmm. I love like his work on I listen to the Star Trek, Star Trek in the mm -hmm. Darkness and Star Trek Beyond soundtracks every day while I'm writing documentation for mm -hmm. work. And I can tell mainly because I listen to him all the time. Right. Definite themes he has mm -hmm. through those and they're very enjoyable, they're very distinctive. And this just felt generic. This felt yeah. – I, I saw somebody say it's almost like you're watching a fan film and people are oh, using yeah. the uh, license, you know, the mm -hmm. free music archive sort of. Let's yeah. find music that can almost fit the scene. But – and it occasionally would pull in themes. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, the score – and because I was really listening to it on mm -hmm. my second viewing and it just – it faded into the background and it was, you know, William's stuff was yeah. very much a character in the film. Mm -hmm. yeah. His music and other films have mm -hmm. very much been a character in the film. Mm -hmm. Then this one, no, I wasn't feeling it. Yeah. Tiny. I, I agree. I think, I feel like he was trying to tiptoe around John Williams. 
you know that's a good way to say it yeah. re- reference him without stealing from him mm-hmm. which is like impossible right. i mean no offense to john williams he's a legend but he he's a little generic sometimes i mean he yeah. not generic but he kind of he kind of steals from himself steals from himself right. thank you that's a good way to put it yeah um again not not a slight on him he's a legend but that's he's kind of a derivative composer that way mm-hmm. and it felt like that's what michael giacchino was trying to do i i agree and that it pains me to say that because michael giacchino man he i it's his work it feels like it feels like he taps into my emotions in his music in such a profound way for me like he he did the music for lost and like there are there are uh tracks in the lost soundtracks and everything that like it's like I'm transport like I am I like it brings a tear to my eye every time I hear it and he's he's responsible for so many like really incredible moving scores even the music as as you said Tony the Star Trek movies um he also did Super 8 which has just really beautiful themes in it yeah and that I agree was definitely missing from this movie strange yeah very good oh yeah Uh I I wonder because wasn't he pulled into the project rather late it seems to me like his that, announcement as a composer seemed to be rather it did, late into yeah. it. So it I'm wondering late. if he just couldn't give it mm-hmm. all that he wanted to. I I would almost guarantee that would be. The, I mean, I have no no evidence to that, but yeah. I that is a much better reasoning than than thinking that he just that he was uh, tiptoeing around John Williams or that he that he uh, half-assed it yeah cuz he's not he's not a composer that I would think would drop the ball on on a project cuz like I said so many of his his work so much of his work has just really um been moving in a very specific uh way um yeah. and obviously he gave Disney and uh Edwards what they wanted for the film but mm-hmm. yeah just yeah yep um, and then going on to the Facebook uh, group uh, discussions and everything, uh, once again. And by the way, I like I like us having a dialogue in between each one. So <laughs> yeah. if you guys have any thoughts on this, uh, you know, go ahead and because um, this isn't jump long in. enough, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Okay, well, this one's a little bit spoilery, so I'll, I'll save that for later. Um, a frequent guest of the show, Robert Feckus, said, "I love the film, but I will say I was torn on the score." <laughs> I, I almost wish they would have dedicated the film to an original score rather than rework the classics. I was taken out of the film by uh, picking out the bits from the original score. I guess the big question everyone is asking, though, is if it was better than The Force Awakens. And after seeing it twice now, I say The Force Awakens is my favorite of the two. I just love the Force mythology and the mystery of Snoke and Rey, which we didn't really... Uh, that's I can kind of save that for... Um, spoiler so i won't say that either but then um this one uh this one commenter tony troxel said (laughs) um it's no star trek into darkness which which i loved um because we had just had a conversation on twitter about uh the merits of uh star trek into darkness um and then i like by the way, I was uh, my reply to that. I just want to mention that I had seen the movie with Fekus and a bunch of people. And uh, after the movie, I turned to him. And the first thing I said, which Tiny, you can attest to this. I like to kind of have something keyed up for after the movie to alienate the people that I go with <laughs> to see. <laughs> uh, it's so a I superpower. T- yes, it, is. it is. So I turned to Fekus and I said, you know, just saying so much in this movie could have been solved with the tra- Star Trek transporter. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, 
and I don't think I'll be seeing any movies with, with Fekas anymore. But um, yeah, so th- those are the Facebook comments, and we're going to jump into spoilers, and we'll get to um, listener Andy's comment as well after we go to spoilers. But first, I want to uh, surprise you guys, even though I said it before, but we have a short uh, mini-review from Mike White, who is our co-host, is on sabbatical from the podcast that I'll play now. It's the return of his Mike's Pine Tree Perfume segment that we haven't had for months and months and months. But um, here is Mike, who is potentially one of the biggest Star Wars fans I know, um, him talking about Rogue One. Um, and then after we get back, we'll go into spoilers. Listen up, this will only take a second. Hey, Matt. Hey, Tiny. Uh, it's Mike. I'm super tired. I'm driving home, uh, and I just got out of the movie. Want a little hubby on the pine tree perfume there, kid? Sir, it's a taxi cab air freshener. Great, you've pinpointed it. Step two is washing it off. Hey, obsessive viewer listeners and Matt and Tiny. Uh, this is Mike, and I'm back with another Mike's Pine Tree Perfume, or whatever we called it, which now I think has become part of the title, is me adding or whatever we call it at the end. So here I am. I'm back for another one. Uh, so I just... This is Sunday night. It's 9.51 Evansville time, uh, and I just got finished watching Rogue One for a second time. I watched it at 7.30 on opening night, uh, and I had to, I just had to see it again because I had a few buddies who hadn't seen it yet. I, I love this movie so much. I, I think there's so much to say. Um, surely you guys in your review did a more in-depth analysis than I could do, um, but I, I'll point out a few things. Uh, that I thought were significant. And, of course, the ultimate question at the end is where does it rank? So um, to to get the stuff I didn't necessarily like out of the way, um, and I'm sure Matt might have talked about this a little bit, the, the interesting CGI choices that they made are... Um, Oh, wanting, I suppose. They're cool moments, the things that they did with the CGI, but it's just not perfected. And I think to anybody uh, who is more than just a passing fan of movies, I think I think they kind of uh, would be able to make the cheat uh, in in the CGI moments. Uh, also, Forrest Whitaker, I thought, was a little a little hammy in his role, almost like he was confused about what movie he was in. Other than that. Uh, I think this was my favorite movie of the year. It was amazing. Um, the the best compliment I think I can pay to Rogue One... Did I say The Force Awakens at the beginning of this thing? Maybe I did. I just got done seeing Rogue One to correct. Do I have to start over? No, I'm just going to keep going. Whatever. I saw Rogue One. We were talking about Force Awakens as we got out, so uh, that might be that slip. So anyway... Um, the scope of the movie was huge. I mean, I think, you know, the size and the devastation of the Death Star was was bigger than it ever has been before. Um, there are specific cameos that I, I won't spoil, um, but make certain characters richer and deeper and, and scarier, perhaps, than they ever have before. Um and I also love just the, the scope of the tale that they're trying to tell, which is interesting considering we kind of know uh, how this thing ends. Um, I, I loved uh, seeing how they would tie the events of this into the beginning of Star Wars, 
uh, episode four, and because I, I wondered how long before I, uh, they stole the plans of the Death Star uh, to to give to the Tantive Four, uh, Leia on the Tantive Four at the beginning of A New Hope, uh, and I and I kind of liked seeing that unfold. I really thought the cast overall was great. Uh, Felicity Jones and Diego Luna, I, I think, are fantastic. Um, and I can't wait to see this again. I think that it really enhances. Uh, oh, I, man, I'm all over the place. Sorry about that. Um, what this movie does, I think, best, the highest compliment I can play, pay to it, is that it enhances uh, the experience of A New Hope. I think some questions are answered, some things are clarified, and, and you really just get a, uh, a more full saga at the end of this one. Um, I I can't. It's too early to decide where I would rank this movie uh, among the I guess eight movies now. Um, I I think it's easier to compare to The Force Awakens, and and I think that I maybe I just have a bias uh, because this is is a side story. But um, I think I give a slight edge to Force Awakens. Um, I think the scope of the movie. Uh, Rogue One and and the plot of Rogue Rogue One is arguably better, maybe objectively better. Um, it, it's just m- much more grandiose. The filmmaking, I think, is is, is less adherent to um, memberberry moments. I think, despite the fact that there are several, I I think it's less about. Um, the, the legacy aspects and more about telling a really fantastic war movie. The reason I give The Force Awakens the edge, I think, uh, is because the characters are, are simply iconic. Ray and Finn and Poe and Kylo are just, are, are now already a year after the release of the movie, iconic characters. Um, and, and they're interesting and they're funny and they're deep characters. Uh, and I can't wait to continue their story. As much as I loved uh, the the cast and and the 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 group that made up uh, Rogue One, the uh, the the group, not not the film, but the the group Rogue One. As much as I love them, uh, aside from a few interesting character traits, there's nothing that really made me want to continue to watch more stories about Jin or more stories. Uh, about Captain Cassian, and so, you know, it's okay that we only get one of them because they just they just didn't pop as iconic characters. Um, people are saying this is the movie to watch if you're not necessarily a Star Wars fan, and I and I couldn't agree more. Um, a couple of my friends have already called this their favorite Star Wars movie, and I would stop just short of calling it that. But um, it 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 enhances. The original trilogy, it makes the prequel trilogy that much more um, forgettable, uh, regrettable even. Uh, and I, I've seen it twice now, and I can't wait to see it again. Anyway, good to talk to you guys. Uh, can't wait to see what Matt and Tiny think. And if you want to hit me back and let me know what you guys think, you can always find me at uh, on Twitter at I am Mike White. Good to talk to you guys. See hope. you. Rebellions are built on hope. Hold of this moment. The force is strong. Make ten men feel like a hundred. We'll take 
the next chance. And the next. You're rebels, aren't you? Save the rebellion! Save the dream! All right, and we're here with spoilers for Rogue One, a Star Wars story. And uh, thank you, Mike, for uh, uh, giving your time to do that. You can follow him on Twitter at I am Mike White and listen to him in about a hundred episodes worth of this podcast uh, back in the early days. It'd so be nice if you use that Twitter account, I know it, you know it's it's locked. It's interesting. He has a locked account. I haven't asked him like if he wants to, you know, make it public for listeners. But I don't know. He I don't know. I should really ask him that. But anyway, um, to kind of circle back again to the Facebook group, Andy Wolf, I don't know if, I don't know if he wanted me to say his full name. Um, <laughs> listener Andy, who we met at PopCon, uh, last year, uh, he said when they showed how the last planet was protected, I was sort of hoping, uh, Akbar's big idea was changing one of the ships into a giant vacuum. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Um, of course poking a hole in the shield with a giant ship was okay would have been better with a big popping sound (laughs) which i really appreciated that um it's worth knowing that wasn't actually admiral akbar was it no it It was not right um but yeah that that i thought that was hilarious um so what did you guys think of the big well let's i mean there's a lot of different set pieces in this in this movie and as you said tony there's several different planets that are visited and so now we're free with with spoilers and i just want to say the one thing that i should have said in the um non-spoiler review i you know i will go out on a limb here and say that i think that rogue one was perhaps the most visually striking star wars movie that i've seen um and i say that because in the force awakens there was that one really incredible shot um where the the reliance no wait the rebellion no wait resistance <laughs> resistance there we go thank you uh the resistance fighters are in their x-wings and they're flying over the lake and it's just like the beauty of that shot is just so striking and i had this i had a similar reaction to most of the big set pieces and the the big visual visual just uh shots in this movie um, visual shots, amazing. <laughs> in this movie, as I did with that specific shot in The Force Awakens, that's something that I really uh, liked. So what did you guys think of the visuals in this movie? Um, Tarkin notwithstanding, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, you know, I didn't have that reaction. Really? I Interesting. Wish, I wish I had. Um, I, again, that opening scene that I mentioned earlier uh, on random planet number one um that that was just gorgeous i don't know what it was maybe the bleakness of it and how just how gray it was um i just i just appreciated that visually and the 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 beach planet where uh the conclusion or the you know climax takes place really beautiful and i thought it was i thought it was i thought it was cool but um i'm not sure there were any scenes that struck me like the X-Wings on the lake. Really? Yeah. Not it, even like the Star Destroyer hovering over the place on Jeddah? No. 
Not not quite. Not for me. Really? Or Star the- Destroyers annoyed me. Oh, really? Those were as bright a white as Tom Cruise's smile. <laughs> <laughs> Those Star Destroyers should not be that stark, gleaming white. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, I can, I can, I can meet you there. Yeah. And that that every time I saw those star destroyers, it took me out. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. in the in the final battle over what was that uh, began with an S. Uh, uh, Scarif. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That that final battle over Scarif, I loved it. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. the the X wings, the Y wings. For some reason, the Rebel transports. I'm not sure why they would bring. <laughs> The rebel transports into a battle, mm-hmm. but there you go. And then stark white. <laughs> sure, but it, it it that that final battle, I it was not a mess like Return of the Jedi was, mm-hmm. yeah. or uh, the battle over Coruscant on the beginning yeah. of Episode Three. It looked like they actually more plotted out, mm-hmm. you know. Not quite beautifully choreographed or anything like that, but just not a huge mess. Mm-hmm. And um, go ahead, delving into uh, some of the uh, Easter eggs and cameos. Mm-hmm. Do either you have either of you guys watched Star Wars Rebels? No, no. But it, it's funny because the way that this movie um, factors into the to the whole franchise, it kind of it puts in it fills in some gaps in in the franchise proper. It kind of makes me excited to. Um, to maybe go into like see the uh, Star Wars Rebels show or read the novels that that are connected to the to the that are now canon essentially. Yeah. Um, it makes me kind of curious about that. It's not I'm not as much of a fan of the franchise as a whole yet <laughs> to where I can pull the trigger on that, but I'm I'm kind of curious. But the Ghost, the big ship, their version of like the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. from Rebels. I remembered seeing it. I thought I saw it on the landing pad at Yavin 4 at okay. the very beginning. Then I thought I'd seen it at least one one time during the battle. And then I saw, of course, you start digging around mm-hmm. the Easter egg sites. You find a screen capture going, yeah, see, here's the back of the ship. And then I'm actually paying attention to the battle, and I think you see it like five times. <laughs> oh, wow. Like nice. flying across behind the uh, Mon Calamari. Which makes me want to bread them and uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, flying behind them and just flying down the corner of the screen. And wow, it's just like, damn. Man. I guess if you're going to build the ship model, you want to use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Doesn't matter if it's CG or actual plastic, you yeah. want to use it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I didn't have a problem with the Star Destroyers. I thought that everything. I thought that the uh, I don't I don't know the technique that they used to create. I don't know if they used actual models or CGI or a mixture of both. But I thought they looked beautiful, um, and just like the destruction of it when they put them together and then they <laughs> used that. To, I thought that that was just beautiful. That was really how cool. they use the uh, yeah. hammerhead to yeah. push. The yes, wind. that was really cool. I love so like the, cool. I love the sloppiness of it because mm-hmm. nothing nothing about that battle was planned. It was just right. drop of the hat and start like. Uh, let's just push the ship into the other one and knock out <laughs> right. the gate while we're at it. You know, yeah. I I thought that was great. I liked that a lot. But Absolutely. Also showed a bit of the sacrifice they're willing to make because mm-hmm. if you notice that Corvette is still embedded in the Star Destroyer as it goes down into the shield. Yeah. Oh wow. So it didn't just push and pull away. Right. It, 
Bam. Right. Speaking of sacrifice, everybody in this fucking movie died. Oh, God. Everybody died. Look at the top nine. The top nine build actors all died. <laughs> I mean, and everybody's talking I about this. I wasn't going to bring up the Rogue One. Everybody died. <laughs> right. I mean, you have to be that emphatic because yeah. everybody dies. But I mean, I, I have mixed feelings on it. But I think really? it makes. I think it makes sense. It. it it is that sense. not what everyone was expecting, though? No, I wasn't. I went in thinking, that. like, like I know, I know, people were saying, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if just the end of the movie was like Vader just fucking annihilating every single character that we followed this whole movie? <laughs> yeah, and I thought no, that would have been kind of cool. He just annihilated but, Rebel fleet troopers, right? Yeah, <laughs> which we will but we will we'll, talk we'll, about we'll, that. We'll go back, but uh, but yeah. will hence, henceforth be referred to as the scene. Right, because yes, I agree. Oh yeah, but I kind of—I mean, I went in expecting. I knew, like, I knew that this was going to be a one-off standalone movie. I knew that this likely wasn't going to have a sequel or anything um, uh, to fill in to it or anything. Because I mean, they have they have the main saga. They already have planned uh, the Han Solo movie next. There's not like going to be a Rogue One two or Rogue two um, or anything. So I was like, okay, well, and none of these characters have any importance in the greater saga or anything of course they're gonna die and i'm kind of looking forward to seeing them get killed see i was really i was really looking forward to the uh, star wars ultimate edition where they cgi implanted them in like the cantina <laughs> right. and oh, stuff like that just throughout that's like you know you uh on hoth and empire strikes mm-hmm. back you see one or two of them in the hangar bay yeah you know stuff like that and they do the special edition of the force awakens and they're all like hanging out at mas Kanata's place <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Hayden Christensen. <laughs> no, I mean I get what you're saying, and that's yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Sure. I just think it would have been cool if, in a couple years, when we get Episode Nine, mm-hmm. we could have gotten like maybe call back to it. Jin and Cassian could have made babies, and right. we get their grandchildren or something in Episode mm-hmm. Nine, just as as a one off. Mm-hmm. thing where they bump into these characters somewhere in episode nine not necessary and i realize it's not a big deal mm-hmm. but i just think it would have been cool i have already seen the fanboys going on cassian and Jin. you don't see a body man that's a rule you gotta oh, see God. a body oh come and I'm on just like the death star doesn't leave a body right, right. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't this is this isn't like Terminator Two where all, everything melts away and then the skeleton explodes. Yeah. There's nothing left. They thought Alderaan was an asteroid field. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, there you go. Yeah. The um to kind of leapfrog off that. Also, I am so happy. Another reason why I like this movie so much is it doesn't leave these big these big questions over. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so glad that a it didn't factor into any of the questions in, in the force awakens. Like Jen Urso is not the mother of, of, of Ray in the force awakens. There's nothing like that in this movie. Yeah. It is all in service to really the lead up to the, to a new hope in the franchise proper, essentially. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I really appreciated about this movie because <laughs> as we mentioned before, I had such a problem with the, um, the lead up to the Force Awakens and all the conjecture and speculation. I'm so glad there's none of that with this movie because this is all self-contained. <laughs> That's um, true. I guess I have to give him credit for that. Mm-hmm. Have, having heard you say that or describe it that way, I guess I do. I, I should give him credit for having it serve. You know, having this movie really serve the opening of mm-hmm. A New Hope. Yeah, and and that's that's a that's a credit to the filmmakers, I guess. Yeah, yeah. but then also if they had more, uh, 
well-drawn characters in the movie, then maybe there that could be more inviting to True. that, and that could also be a fault of that. Yeah. Now, one of the things I do have have in my notes is uh, I am one with the force, and the force is with me. Mm-hmm. Has joined. I am a leaf on the wind. Watch how I soar in phrases that make me go too soon. Oh yeah. Too soon. No. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. That whole sequence was freaking amazing. Yeah. Um. And again, that also goes to him being uh, Donnie Yen's character being kind of the that pairing being kind of the only like fully fledged fledged out uh, fleshed out characters for me for my personal taste. Yeah. Um. So I, I it was more strong there, um, and I love that we have that. Uh, like it's a new it's a new like mantra in the Star Wars yeah canon. Um. Yeah. It just sucks that they all died. Yeah. <laughs> but, um. Yeah. But the 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 end like battle the whole the whole big set piece at the end uh we kind of circled around a little bit but i kind of want to talk a little bit more about it um it does what star wars movies seem to do all the time they have different uh different uh different like actions running concurrent to each other so we had you know Jin, uh cassian and and ks20 k2so there we go um going for the plans we had the we had the rebels on the beach fighting we had the space fight and everything like all of those working in conjunction with one another i thought that was that just it was more star wars for me than uh it kind of it kind of had the spirit of star wars to it that i really appreciated um me not even being that big of a star wars fan but yeah um i thought that what was really cool what do you know about the spirit of star wars man <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you're not even a geek <laughs> It's not even for you, man. <laughs> um, um, I was gonna make a. I was gonna try to shoehorn in a Star Trek reference, but I. I can't. That's ridiculous. Thank you. Anyway, Tiny, what were we gonna say? I. I agree. I really enjoyed the climax of the movie. I. I think a lot of movies, Star Wars included, will attempt to juggle multiple things like that at once. Mm-hmm. You know, things happening at the same time, and they dropped the ball. But this movie, they did not. I love the way it all. It all hooked together. You had ground forces, you had dogfighting, you had the main, the big huge battle up above the planet. Mm-hmm. I think it all tied together really well, and you know, it feels like a lot of the time you have this ridiculous chain of events that leads to uh, the victory, if you will, and it's like, mm-hmm. it's so impossible that it's really cool and it looks good, but it's just not... I mean, obviously you're dealing with science fiction here, no one has a, a lightsaber in real life, but I'm saying... <laughs> There, it, yeah. it feels like a more realistic conclusion of events, I mm-hmm. guess, or a confluence of events. Um, the you know the the Mustang ship driving the other ship—it's sloppy. Like and then, you know, like Tony mentioned, a bunch of people had to die and sacrifice mm-hmm. themselves for that. And I I respect the fact that all these characters died because you're talking about you're talking about unplanned missions and gathering intelligence, and that's a really dangerous job. And so it makes sense that everybody perished and in order to win or you know achieve victory so many people had to die and so many things had to go wrong oh just like the two or three pilots in blue squadron that hit that shield like bugs on a windshield yeah. when it went back up you right know, it's like and, and there's always there's always a little bit of that 
mm-hmm. there was a ton of it in oh, this yeah. movie. And like again, I think it makes sense. And Absolutely, it was, it was a good choice. Oh, at the ver- at the very end, as they're all starting to retreat, and Vader's star destroyer just comes right in. Yeah, and you see like a half dozen ships crash right into it. Yes, right. as oh, they're going yeah. into hyperspace. That was a really yeah. cool scene. Very cool. Did you guys catch this? I didn't. I obviously didn't catch it in the moment because I don't know my Star Wars lore that well. But uh, I read about it afterwards that one of the one of the uh, uh, Red Squadron guys, like like one of them, crashes and dies, and that's like that that one is the opening that Luke will Red will Five. Get. Red, Red Five. Five. Yeah. yeah. I when, that, when I saw Red cool. Five, and it's it's like this young uh, this young guy is <laughs> just taken out by a Tie Fighter. It's like. Well, guess that's how uh, Luke got that uh, call sign. Right, right. Obviously, he didn't get that fighter. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was pretty cool after the fact because I didn't catch it in the moment. Agreed. No, um, but go- going, yeah. delving a little bit into the CG aspect. Yes, let's talk about that. The inclusion of Red Leader and Gold Leader. Mm-hmm. When they came up, that's something else that caused... The, mm-hmm. Oh my God! <laughs> because they they took these unused elements from A New Hope that they found in the archive, mm-hmm. cleaned them back up, put them in to the new film, yeah. and it's just like, and they're they're using the dialogue that they used from the uh, Death Star run mm-hmm. in A New Hope, yeah. and I just thought that was really cool that you were able to that they were able to tie in in that way. Right. Other stuff. Not as big a fan of. Yeah. yeah. When the when the rebel pilots when that when that came up, I um I you know, I couldn't distinguish it from, from like being CGI or anything like that. And the only reason why I even knew that it was something was uh next to me Fekus and his brother kind of like they, they get they like kinda of gasped a little bit and thought like <laughs> that's so cool. I'm like, Yeah, that's that's cool, guys. Um but yeah, that was, that was a Star really Wars cool. fan. <laughs> right. <laughs> um and then I'll say that that was good. And then uh, the Leia thing at the end was was great because it was brief. It didn't have too much of an uncanny valley for me. Um, she only said one word. That was cool. You, she could have kept her back to the camera the, to the that, entire time. I, I and think they so. Could have just too. used the one word. Yeah, but Tarkin. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know, I'm gonna admit when I first <laughs> saw him, I thought the weird sheen might have been because they had an actor in a silicone gel appliance <laughs> as opposed to foam latex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I really started looking, and the lips aren't quite matching up right, yeah. and he's got that dead look in mm-hmm. the eyes, and it's like, nope, that's a corpse of Peter Cushing. Yeah. And I'm so glad that people are calling it out for that um, because, I mean. I don't think I don't. First of all, the technology is not there to have photo real like perfect representation of of an actor's presence on on screen. The technology is just not there yet. It's better than it was in Tron Legacy. You'll yeah. see what I mean, yeah. right? But, that, right. but it's yeah, it's still yeah. But like when like when Civil War came out and we had that segment where uh, uh, Stark is going through that little hologram of his past and it's presented to us as like, oh, this is a young a young Robert Downey Jr. Like people were applauding that thinking like, Oh, that, that looks so realistic and so cool. That was such a cool moment. And I'm just in there like, yeah, but it, it was uncanny Val. Like it just, yeah. it took me out. I'm so glad that it was actually a, a thing, but like here it's like, they did that. And like, I can see them getting away with it. Like just in passing, just kind of doing like a, like kind of a glance here and there, but like he has actual dialogue with Ben Mendelsohn yeah. and they have, he has an arc through the movie and that 
is troublesome to me because a visually it, it doesn't look as photorealistic as it as it should in context with the rest of the movie so you see him it looks like he's a video game cutscene, yeah. but maybe a little bit crisper than that and you have those dead that dead vacant vacant stare um it kind of seems like like when he is acting acting um opposite ben mendelson it's like it's like I feel like he should be emoting more. There should be more of a reaction, but there's like shots where it's just a shot of his face. And I'm just like, what, what is he doing? Like, why is Peter Cushing going to haunt my dreams for the rest of my life? (laughs) It's like, it was just, it was something was off. I wish that they would have either, uh, kept it low key and, and in passing, or if they would have just recast the role, um, cause I just don't think it worked for me and it was a little too uncanny Valley. And so, yeah. And he, do, go ahead. You guys talk. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I know they had yeah. the actor that they used to play younger Tarkin at mm-hmm. the end of episode three. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they brought in, you know, um, Jimmy Smith's to play Bail Organa. Mm-hmm. They brought in and I shut yeah. my phone down. I can't check IMDb. <laughs> the actress who did the cut, se- the scenes that were cut of mm-hmm. Mon Mothma. Mm-hmm. They brought them in. Why couldn't they bring, I mean, I don't know. I haven't checked his IMDb. He might right. no longer be with us. I don't mm-hmm. know. But why couldn't they bring someone like that in that was, that's, you know, fairly gaunt like Cushing mm-hmm. and, you know, do some of the makeup like the silicone gel I thought it might have been mm-hmm. or some foam latex or something. It's not that hard. It's probably cheaper than doing a full CGI right. Cushing. <laughs> but why couldn't they do that? It's, it's, yeah. It was, yeah. It's uh, just just because they could doesn't mean they should. <laughs> right. Yeah. I I agree. I I'm I had an an issue with it for like ethical reasons. I guess mm-hmm. I, I know there is a law or whatever in the industry that you're not allowed <laughs> to use someone's likeness without their permission and stuff like that. So I know there's no legal issues there. I'm sure they worked it out. But I just ethically, I think it's. I think it's goofy to just take a job from an actor. Yeah. Like what what does it mean for the future? Can you just can you just make most of your cast CGI in the future and you know, you, ne- you never have to cast a big name actor again? Yeah, that's or... the Avatar sequels, but yeah. yeah. There's actually well, there's a movie called The Congress with um oh oh what's her name from um uh, Robin Wright Penn. Um I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet so that have that caveat here, but um I think that's essentially what the plot of the movie is. It's like it's people like actors and actresses selling their likeness to be in, in roles for all yeah. eternity, essentially. Um, it sounds like a really intriguing premise and it's just kind of alarming that we're getting to that point. Right. Um, and you know, guys, when whoever Lucasfilm had that idea to be like, okay, well let's just do CGI Tarkin. I kind of wish someone would said, great kid. Don't get cocky. See what I did? Yeah, nice. I made a star war. You did. You made a Star Wars. This is your apartment. Get out. <laughs> Make sure you guys walk up tonight. <laughs> um, but but yeah. to, to Tony's point, I think it would have been more uh, satisfying mm-hmm. to bring it, bring in an actor have really talented makeup people do makeup on him and make him mm-hmm. look a little bit like Tarkin. Yeah. I, I don't need an exact rendering mm-hmm. of the actor. That that it did it didn't really do anything for me. Um yeah. it 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 does it does take you out a little bit. It takes yeah. you out of the movie a little bit because it's like why did they do that or mm-hmm. I don't know. I just don't think it needs to be there. And, right. Yeah. But I will say that if this is the biggest like 
by my count, I feel like this is the biggest flaw of the movie. This is the biggest thing. Like even even though we talked about the characters not being that well rounded and the story kind of being a little confused and a little convoluted early on, which I kind of want to touch touch on that a little bit more now that we're in spoilers, uh, but we can in a moment. But um, like those things weren't as troublesome to me as the Tarkin thing. And this is going to sound snarky, and I don't mean this as snarky, but but in the grand scheme of things. I mean, there are much bigger CGI-related qualms to be had in the greater Star Wars franchise as a whole. Yeah. So, like, if this is the biggest problem with this movie, I can accept that it's not going to. It didn't. It didn't ruin the movie for me. I just think it was an odd choice, and uh, and it, it took me out of the movie in certain respects. But it's something that on repeat viewings, I'll just be like, okay, fine, whatever. Yeah, let's be honest. It's no job of the hut in star Wars, a special edition. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 No but, one steps over, steps over him or through him. Um, like Han does in the special edition. Right. But um, what'd you, what'd you think of, uh, Ponda Baba and, uh, Evazan on, um, Jedha's, uh, surface. Yeah. The, uh, from the cantina. Yeah. Oh yeah. yes. Those. Yeah. Um, Oh, I, I'm trying to think of the family guy thing. Something, I'm so-and-so, and this is Pignose. Yeah. Um, he's, like, yeah. he's like, I'm Pignose, and this is my brother, Scott. Right. <laughs> 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 they call it Hoth. Don't Why don't me, they don't call it Don't get me cult? started on family guy. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm up after the band. But anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. That was, that was such a great, that was awesome. I, I got a huge kick out of that. Also, the blue milk at the beginning. Did you not have the blue, the blue milk? Yeah. Was cool. That yeah. was cool. That that they they lingered on it a little too long. Just a little bit, yeah. But no, it's I, it was it was the, it was fan service. Fan yeah. service, yeah. And it was unneeded fan service. Mm-hmm. Um, just like I saw someone bringing up a very good point: R two and three PO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their little cameo. What were they doing on the ground in Yavin four if uh, Bail Organa had just left to get? To send the message to Obi that was after that, wasn't it? Yeah, huh? Yeah, and and that was the one that was more like, okay, guys, okay, let's let's we don't need that. Yeah, agreed. Um, I yeah. understand that at this point you will kind of want to have them in there because they've been in every other dang. And that's film. true. True. That's yeah. true. I, I understand that, but you could have had them on the bridge mm-hmm. on the Tannin Four when they opened up the doors right. and there was Leia. Yeah. They could have been there. That would have been better. More sense. Yeah. Yes. yes. But then again, you know, something that I didn't really piece together in either viewing because it's been a while since I've watched The New Hope. But, um, oh, I'm sorry, Star Wars, guys. Star Wars. Um, <laughs> There's so many other things we're going to judge you for. That's not one of them. <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, uh, um, is that that doesn't like the movie my first viewing of it i thought like oh this is leading up to the exact moment of the beginning of a new hope yeah but it it doesn't though like there's there's time in between that i didn't really understand that or catch that until the second viewing i kind of wish it would have led up to it exactly if they were going to go that route but um yeah so there's time for them to you know get off of yavin 4 and and go there they can go back and regroup or whatever there's no set like time that's between them but um it, from the looks of it, I mean, one, another one of my notes is why do they call it episode 3.5? It's a little bit closer to 3.8, 3.9. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, Vader sees them leave. Mm-hmm. They, um, the Tanif 4 is ra- racing off going into uh, hyperspace. Mm-hmm. He goes back to that Star Destroyer. He's right after them. Right. right. And even you know, says- they're saying, you know, 
essentially batten down the hatches, prep the mm-hmm. escape pods, right. which means they're they're ready for Vader and all them to board the ship. So that, you know, as soon as they drop out of hyperspace over uh, Tatooine, that Star mm-hmm. Destroyer is going to be on them. So there's not, from the way I read it, mm-hmm. there's not much time between the ending of Rogue One and the beginning of A New Hope. I agree. I mean, I always said I'm going to be disappointed if uh, Rogue One doesn't end with the Star Destroyer bearing down on that Corvette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty damn close. <laughs> it is, yeah. I agree with Tony. Um, while we're still talking about the ending, I, before we, well, I guess before we go on to some of the finer details of the movie, most notably Vader, I kind of want to touch on some of the other big action set pieces or the big moments because while we do visit a lot of different planets in this movie i feel like each one had a very specific design and very specific uh, feel to him and not just like a ice planet or desert planet it was yeah. like they each had like their own like you know they had foliage for the love of god <laughs> um, you saw you saw the down you know how jedha mm-hmm. deteriorated yeah. because of war yeah. You know, at the very beginning, um, when um, Jin's a child, mm-hmm. there there's soil, there's mm-hmm. greenery, there's, and it could have just been a different part of the planet, yeah. but you kind of get the feeling it's close because mm-hmm. of how Saul is able to make it there in right. a pretty decent amount of time. Yeah. And then later you go back and it's, it's not a desert planet, right. but it's a devastated planet. Mm-hmm. It's dirt. It's rock. Yeah. There's no greenery. Everything's gritty. Everything's mm-hmm. dirty. It's like Tatooine. Yeah. But there's no sand because, you know, it's coarse, it's rough, and it gets everywhere. <laughs> so. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. <laughs> God. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, also that when they're, when they're at, uh, Jeddah or however you pronounce it, um, that scene where there, it's like, it's like occupied, like it's, it had, uh, evoked like, like World War II imagery of, of like occupied forces in a tank roaming the streets. Like that, like that moment when that happened, I was like, this is so freaking cool. Like this is amazing. Just the, the imagery of that I thought was handled really well. And then they, we have the whole like, uh, skirmish there that I thought was just really cool. Um, how'd you guys feel about that set piece in particular? Well, um, I didn't feel that they were randomly roaming. If you notice, mm-hmm. that tank was actually carrying kyber crystals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the and the um, Jedha rebels under Saul were going to get mm-hmm. those crystals. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so, but either way, that was, I mean, just, you know, I always enjoy watching stormtroopers get tossed around like ragdolls. Right. Yeah. And there was plenty <laughs> of stormtroopers getting tossed around like ragdolls yeah. there. So, oh, yeah, yeah I, I think it looked really cool. And I thought Jetta City was was pretty a, a cool set, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of feel like the whole uh, Sog Guerrera thing or mm-hmm. whatever his name is. Uh, yeah, you're, you got it. OK, yeah. um, I, I just kind of felt like that was out of place, I guess. I, I don't know. It, it felt like they were they were using Jin Jin Urso to do the same thing twice. It's like, well, she's our end to go talk to this Sagarera guy. Mm-hmm. And she's also our end to go talk to her dad. Mm-hmm. It just, it just felt weird to me. And I felt like, I feel like Sagarera was such a, like off the wall character. I just, 
I don't know. I really didn't care for that part of the story. Um, I think the action was cool and everything, and I, I enjoyed all that. But I, I would have been fine without his character being in the movie at all. I mean, I was jealous of his uh, Fallout power armor, though. Yeah, that was pretty that cool. Was, yeah, yeah. Um, and that that kind of circles back to what I was saying about um, the whole the whole. Uh, disconnect that I had with the story up to that point, or at least in the first, the first portion of the movie. Cause, um, and I guess we can talk about that in more detail now that we're in spoilers, but the whole, the whole thing of Jen Urso is, is this rebel or she, she's the daughter of, of the guy who made, who helped make the death star. And she was a, uh, then there's the jump in time of like 15, 16 years where like we see her, we see her get rescued by Saw Gerrera. And then suddenly she's, not a part of the rebel alliance she's doing her own thing it's all kind of an exposition dump through dialogue and it's kind of like that now they need her for that and that's that that's okay but it's just a lot to take in and a lot to have the motivation of a character kind of spelled out to us and i felt like that was just a misstep they should have i feel like they should have really um handled that a little bit better and a lot cleaner and then not only that but i felt like i didn't know what the hell uh cassian's motivations were until he has that big moment after nearly killing her father um where he talks about how i guess his i guess the point of it was that um he's tired of following orders he's been following orders his whole life it's the there's a dichotomy or there's a similarity between following orders um either on the empire or the rebellion side and what i appreciate about that first of all is that it paints the rebellion in somewhat of an unfavorable light or shades of gray i should say yeah um and i thought that was a really intriguing thing but i wish that it was developed more and more of a through line throughout the movie because i i've seen the movie twice i still don't quite understand what the whole thing was with him killing that guy in the alley, I didn't know if he was also a rebel and he was just betraying him. I don't know if he was just keep killing him to keep to because he wasn't going to survive. I didn't get that. What I got from that was uh, he the guy couldn't escape from the stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. He didn't want the stormtroopers to know what they were meeting him for, mm-hmm. so he killed the guy to cover the tracks. Yeah. Okay, he that was, makes he, sense. That those you know some you know. To make an omelet, you break a few eggs, right? Sort of mentality, and, and that, that yeah. like you said, the shades of gray. Mm-hmm. It wasn't full on nefarious, right? But it was questionable, and you know, you can. I know, I know what you're saying, and I, right. It, it that's not something we've ever really gotten. I don't think mm-hmm. from from the franchise, and that's and that's totally fair, and that makes a lot of sense. And I'm going to keep that in mind next time I see it. But when it's our introduction to that character, True. it sends a wrong signal to me. Like it makes me think, like, is he actually working against the the rebellion? Is yeah. is he? What's going on with him? Because he just murdered this guy. Hunch I first. Um, well, there, there you go. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, Mike. Han was the only one who shot. Yeah, right, thank right. you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I agree though because mm-hmm. I feel like they. You're right. It was an introduction, and it feels mm-hmm. like they set a tone, and they pretty much dropped it. Yeah, by the at least by the third act of the movie, mm-hmm. it was just dropped, and yeah, uh, yeah I, I wasn't crazy about that either. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I think that story wise, they could have done a little bit better there. Um, so you guys yeah. didn't read it as they were laying him out as showing he is a kind of person that would take a sniper rifle, go up to the mountainside beside the landing platform, take out Mickelson's character and not think twice about it. And then his interactions with Jen 
actually started making him think twice about it. And that's where he had the breakdown about he's been battling since he was six years old. You're not the only one that's lost stuff as he's trying to come terms mm-hmm. with everything he's done with the rebellion, even going so far as grabbing a bunch of people after she has the argument with the um, rebel council mm-hmm. there on Yavin four. And he makes a comment. All of us have done stuff. We're not proud of. Yeah. And yeah, and that and that's fair. That that is a good point there. But I also feel like they at that point, up until that point where he has that moment with 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 Jin, which I think that scene was one of one of the high points of the movie for me for sure. Like yeah, that him was good. going like that was the kind of like dramatic moment that that I wanted out of the movie and that, and it delivered on that for sure. But from the moment that he kills that guy to the moment that he gets his orders um, to go ahead and just kill Galen Erso, um so that they because they don't want to deal with him or whatever, whatever the justification is between those points, me as a first time viewer of the movie, I was thinking like, OK, so is, is that guy actually working against the rebellion and that they don't want they like, are they working together? Like, I thought it was going to be this big, like reveal that it was that so i was kind of like a little bit in the dark there yeah i kind of Um, felt that i was wondering if he was like a mole too yeah yeah yeah. um but then when when we get to that point it's like it corrects itself a little bit but i feel like there wasn't enough uh narrative juice to really propel us into to lead us down that path um it kind of was more misleading than anything for me I guess by the fact that I was, I recognized what was going on in the first round. We know where my uh, moral compass <laughs> right. currently yeah. lies. Right. That I knew exactly what he was thinking. <laughs> We're just a holes. What does this exactly. say about me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and really, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Diego Luna. I thought he did a fine job. Really, he was so, yeah. he was okay. And any time I've ever mm-hmm. seen him, I'm like, yeah, he's fine. Sure. I, he just he's never blown me away specific uh, specifically. He, he's okay. Yeah, I thought that. Well, he's no Mark Hamill waiting to go into Tashi Station and pick up some power cover. <laughs> right, that's true. You know? Right. But. Um, I can't think off the top of my head of anything that I've really seen him in. Um, oh wow, yeah, nothing really. Yeah, I mean, he was in Elysium, but I've scrubbed that movie from my brain. Yeah. Even though I think I really kind of liked it a little bit when I saw it, but <laughs> yeah, I haven't had any motivation to to revisit it. He was oh god, what I know him from is from his role in the Steven Spielberg Tom Hanks movie The Terminal. The Terminal, yeah. In two thousand four, he played a uh, a character in that movie. He did. Um, yeah. So, I, but I thought he did um, a fine job in this in this movie. What the problems that I had is I think that they were trying to paint him as a little bit too much of a Han Solo archetype. Um, and I think that that kind of failed a little bit for me because I'm like, we, this, these movies already have a Han Solo guys. We don't, we don't need that. Like this, this era of the franchise, this, this era of the greater saga has a Han Solo. Uh, Like I don't, I didn't get that at all. Really? I didn't get the Han Solo thing. No. Really? Interesting. Uh, Tony, how about you? Nope. No, no, he's not like a wow. smart ass smuggler who's only involved. Like, if it, if anything, K two S O was more of the yeah. yeah right. That's what I was gonna say. I thought he had some some Han Solo qualities to him. Huh. I'm just thinking more in terms of a guy who would kill a guy in an alley yeah. than anything. Kind of like with the with the 
shades of gray, I guess, but well, I don't know. Like, Maybe I'm reading into And I also that read into that, that that's what they were showing right off the bat was this is the kind of rebellion we're working with. Yeah. The kind that's going to see the stormtroopers coming. This person can't make it out. Mm-hmm. So they're going to kill him as opposed to him leaking information. Okay. So yeah. uh, when I see it again, I'll probably have a better time digesting that. It really um, it it warms my heart hearing you say when you see it again. When, oh, I am definitely yeah. <laughs> planning on seeing it again in the uh, downtown IMAX, the seventy millimeter. Nice. You know, yeah. I'd love to do that, but Miaris can't take those seats. Yeah. Those seats need to be replaced. They really do, yeah. especially and after we've had. I'm not even had... talking about the nice recliners. I'm mm-hmm. talking about just something better than a folding chair yes. with a little yeah. bit of cushioning mm-hmm. level. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, yep. That's. And like I'm afraid to see, I'm afraid to go to that theater again, even though it is like it's the best way to see a movie in, in oh, yeah. Indianapolis, hands down. Um, but after I've been spoiled with the reclining seats at the AMC theaters and at Shiloh, it's like, yeah. I mean, I took a skin, yeah. take it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm I'm gonna see it again then, and. I want to say just kind of moving forward and, and like kind of highlighting a couple other things. And we're kind of running pretty long here. Um, the, the moment where he, where they go to get to Galen and between that like scenario or that area, um, that kind of really dark rainy, um, sequence or that location between that and the flashes and the force awakens of, of the, uh, of Kylo and the, the Knights of Ren, at the Jedi Academy thing. It's all, that's the same kind of aesthetic. It's dark and rainy. I want to see so much more of that. Um, so much more of that in, in the star Wars universe. Cause I think that that is just visually, that is just such a great, a great, visual in, in this universe and except for the two instances you just mentioned you don't see it exactly everything is bright everything mm-hmm. is even dagobah which should have been i mean you saw a little yeah. bit of rain when they were in the hut mm-hmm. but for the most part it was it was damp because of the swamp yeah but there weren't rainstorms or anything causing that anything Absolutely. like yeah. that See, if they had more of that stuff in it, I'd be a bigger Star Wars fan. <laughs> but that more whole, rainstorms, got it. Right? Yeah. But that whole um that whole sequence there I thought was just handled so beautifully. When when the uh when the rebels come in and they start they have the little dogfight in the air, um all of that was just really, really beautifully done. Um and it it speaks to the kind of the way that the set pieces are differentiated throughout each, throughout each location and each situation. Um, because as I said, this dark and dim and, and there, uh, there's rain and everything there juxtaposed with, with Jetta's stuff where it's, uh, it's kind of a, kind of a lived in occupied space, um, like war sequence essentially. Um, I just think that the variety of it, even though there were a lot of different locations and a lot of different types of places that they visited, I like that they differentiated it in unique ways. Um, that's something I appreciate about the movie. Yeah. Word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What he said. Nice. Um, <laughs> and so we've talked a lot so far, and we have neglected to really mention the, the scene. Well, I wasn't going to go to that yet. Okay. I was going to go to the Death Star. Yeah. 
because we haven't really talked about the way that they handled the Death Star itself. We talked a little bit about it with Tarkin, but I mean, that was another thing. So the actual representation of the Death Star, I like that they showed, I like that they used it, first of all. So it's, it's, and I like the way that they used it. It's a localized hit on different areas. And I think that the visuals of that was just, were just amazing. Um, so what did you guys think of the way that the Death Star was represented in this movie? It felt I, I enjoyed it a lot because it felt more like a ship than a mm-hmm. planetoid, if you will. Um, you know, one of the best lines in the history of ever is "That's no moon; it's a space station." Oh, I love that part in Twister. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that that line I think was fully realized with this movie because mm-hmm. I, it felt it felt more mobile. Mm-hmm. in this movie and it felt yeah. like it felt like a giant star destroyer yeah. and it, it it just had it was so much more menacing mm-hmm. i think in, in this movie not to take away credit from the visual work that was achieved with the original movies right. but uh I, th- I think cgi gave it a certain oomph that wasn't mm-hmm. there with the original trilogy um and all credit goes to the the cgi mm-hmm. uh technicians if you will they did a great job yeah. totally Tony, how about you? My question was, you know, in A New Hope, when you've got all the moths and the admirals, whatever, around the table, mm-hmm. you know, until this battle station is fully operational, we are vulnerable. Oh. So hmm. those are the actions of a not fully operational battle station. They mm-hmm. are taking out entire cities yeah. and entire chunks of planets with that laser and they're saying no and we've got it dialed back <laughs> right yeah. so you're saying it's it's jumping into hyperspace going from one part of the galaxy to another and it's not fully operational mm-hmm. that was that was the only thing that kind of bugged me i mean i'm glad they used it yeah i mean the effects of uh the parts of the planets that it took out mm-hmm. where it was it was beautiful. It was like 2012 level disaster porn. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. And, um, especially when they were, uh, using the, uh, U wing to get out of, um, Jedha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking I'm putting too much emphasis on the H, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> on silly yeah. made up words. But, um, <laughs> Jedha. Um, Jedha. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh I for one loved it. Um and I and yeah, I I can understand that qualm there. They I mean fully operational from my perspective is, you know, blowing up the whole planet. Yeah. But yeah. I, I feel like in in uh, a new hope wasn't that kind of a bluff that it wasn't fully operational, but they wouldn't be making that bluff around the table when it's just them. When they've shown when they've seen I'm trying to i'm struggling to connect what exactly the gripe is here uh, because they're, they're saying in a new hope that the battle station is yet is not yet operational okay and the first successful test was using it on alderaan so now okay. it's like are they doing the truth from a certain point of view mm-hmm. as star wars is fond of doing where right. the first successful full-on test of the laser was on alderaan and I, I don't know. That's this is why my name is in the nitpickers guide for next generation <laughs> trekkers, okay? <laughs> this is definitely the tiniest nit mm-hmm. that yeah. I am finding to pick, but and I had to go to my copy of A New Hope today yeah. to find that quote because it was wow. just bugging me. <laughs> 
But Tony, why didn't any Bothans die in this movie? <laughs> I will end you. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Um, uh, but yeah, so that didn't uh, that didn't bother me at all. But I, I can understand that uh, for sure. I don't can we remember. talk about Vader? Yes, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> As he's over here rolling his eyes, right. the kid in the corner. Right. Are we there yet? <laughs> can we talk about Vader now? Right. Yeah. Well, first, which so, yeah. part of Vader do we want to talk about? Do we want to talk about? how we first see him in this film, because that's got its own yeah. interesting chronological. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So Vader is interrupted by his bath because... Um, uh, I thought that was his vape chamber. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> Could be. Who yeah. knows? Um, but yeah, so so we're in, there's there's rumors here that the that the attendant that comes in to tell him that what is, what's his name has gotten there Ben Mendelsohn's character has gotten there is like maybe that is maybe that guy turns out to be Snoke yeah but yeah sure that'd, that'd be fun that's one of the mm-hmm. attendants that you see in Return of the Jedi is it really yeah so just, he's been there the whole time <laughs> I don't know stop but. <laughs> Um, um, so yeah, so there is the, uh, in terms of planets and stuff, um, that is the only planet that they don't have the name displayed on it. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, it's pretty clearly favoring, you know, being Mustafar. Yeah. 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 Um, and I mean, there's also rumors and I don't want to be the guy that's like, Oh, the, the rumors here, the, the speculation, because I hate that so much with a passion, but, um, the rumor is that that this is going to play into a future movie in some way, like the fact that Vader had a place. We well, see like, the huh, funny castle. thing is Vader's. I used to when I was in high school, um, used to have those Art of Star Wars books. Okay, and they had in like Empire and Jedi pre-production art of Vader's palace. Oh, cool. And very similar to what they use there. And you know, everyone's saying it looks like Mustafar. Mm-hmm. Pablo Hidalgo, one of the people that works for Lucasfilm, pretty much has said on Twitter that, oh, that planet that everyone's asking me about, yeah, it's the one from episode three. Huh. Uh, so Lucasfilm has pretty much said, yes, Vader has a palace on Mustafar. Okay. Okay. Well, and I, I loved that part because... I think it's so twisted that he has a palace on Mustafar. Yeah. It's like, this is where the worst thing that's ever happened to me happened, mm. and I'm just going to build a palace here. So that, that first of all, was super Vader-like. Um, secondly, I just love the fact, see, the, the exterior and the way that the, the castle or the palace was designed reminded me a lot of H.R. Giger's work in, like, Alien. Yeah, it had those. I, mean, I was thinking Saruman, but that too. That's what I. That was my connection. I was yeah. thinking Lord of the Rings, but I've actually I can in my notes I scratched out Saruman's tower and yeah, <laughs> nice. That yeah. that too definitely. I, I I totally see that, but yeah, it just kind of had that effect on me, and I mm-hmm. I've always really appreciated H.R. Giger's art because yeah. he's right. so wacky and nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just I, the the imagery during during that introduction to this to Vader in this movie was just awesome. And then the whole bath thing was just, he's gross. He's just a gross character. And it's like, he's like a monster. And it's, oh, yeah. I love how they just, they the best thing you can do with a monster is give the audience little pieces of it. Mm-hmm. When you show the whole, mo- like it's, it's usually when you show the whole monster, it's not scary. Right. You take away a lot of the mystery. You know, the unknown is scarier than the knowledge of what it actually is. Yeah. And, and I think when they give us those little pieces of Vader, he, he, he seems more monster like when they do that. Well, it's all that's left of him is little pieces, but right. right. Yeah, that's Yeah. You're right. <laughs> but, but I just thought that was, 
some of the best, like, you know, in you know, in the the original trilogy, they you know they lowered the the helmet down on yeah. it, and his little yeah. pod thing, and it, it felt just like that to mm-hmm. me. Like that was one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. To your point about it being messed up that he built his palace on on Mustafar there, um, in my head, I am just imagining it that Anakin was such a whiny annoying character that of course he's going to be this emo dude who's like i'm going to build a i'm going to build my house on the place where the worst thing that's ever happened because my life is terrible um thing it, it just, i can it, uh, yeah it's like a world war ii veteran buying beachfront property in iwo jima right that's, that's like what it made me think of i was like man that's just twisted that's no. that's like so badass that's, so yeah. what did you guys think of the actual scene where he where he is uh talking to Ben Mendelssohn's character? Um I I I liked it. I thought that the I mean James Earl Jones, the voice perfect. Um I kind of felt like the dialogue and I'm going to preface this by saying that, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you know anything about me, you know that I love one-liners and and puns and and you know, uh turns of phrase. Um, when he said, when he when he force chokes him, and then he says, uh, "Remember not to choke on your aspirations" or something, I was like, "Okay, Vader, okay, <laughs> okay." That's that's a little. The, yeah. the dialogue is just like maybe do another pass on that. I I, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit at that. Did you guys get any of that? I I rolled my eyes at that a little bit, and mm-hmm. also I'm not sure who they had in the suit this time around. Mm-hmm. But there is a there is a little bit of sway in the yeah. hips, a little sass in the walk that mm-hmm. Prouse never had. He's he's a lot more mobile and and yeah. he he moves yeah. a lot quicker and and that I that I I noticed that too. Yeah, yeah. I it was just it was out of character for him. Mm-hmm. They they did this amazing job setting up you know with the bath and everything mm-hmm. and showing us the castle just super badass and crazy and then he, he makes a pun yeah and he's never done that before and i mm-hmm. it, i didn't like it um but i i don't know i, I like ben Mendelssohn looking like a little bitch in right. front of darth vader that was i love that because <laughs> i think ben Mendelssohn ben Mendelssohn is a scary guy mm-hmm. and he's he he has the ability to be very menacing but it just goes to show you how scary darth vader is yeah i mean it was i think great. vader was just uh jealous of his cape game right, yeah right. he rocked the shit out of that cape. he did you that know it was really cool most of the characters you ever seen a cape are like dude take your cape off you're right. an idiot why are you wearing a cape what are you superman <laughs> but he he looked mm. right in that cave oh yeah and i uh <laughs> in the uh, there's a joke to be made here but um I won't do that. All I'll say is that I I kind of would have liked for Vader to kind of, you know, maybe put his hand on Ben Mendelssohn's shoulder and say say something like, "Do you think you're in control?" Hearing <laughs> <laughs> nice. the the Bane thing from The Dark Knight Rises. It's it's funny how much connection there is between those two scenes. Yeah. Um but Very true. but yeah, um so yeah, so that Vader scene was was cool. I had my qualms with it and everything. Um what about the scene? Um <laughs> The only scene in this movie with a lightsaber. How would you guys yeah. feel about that? Uh, I went from six to midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, I had heard rumors there was a scene like that in the movie, so I was just waiting for it. I was like, when is, she gonna, when is this going to happen? And I'm really glad they saved it for when they did. You know, yeah. It's like one of the very last scenes of the whole movie. And it's it's some of the best like force force pushing choking and just destructive force ever captured in the whole franchise Mm -hmm. and i was just like 
my jaw dropped and I was like on the edge of my seat. It was it was that effective for me. Yeah. Tony, how about you? <laughs> Two things for me on that. First off, it was so completely badass that it totally destroys <laughs> all the arguments about the new Hope lightsaber battle between yeah. him and Obi-Wan, where you're saying it's an old guy versus someone who's half machine. Right. He No, he was too fluid. And th- this is how he should have been. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's just, you know, he's using the lightsaber as well as just tossing Rebel Fleet Troopers mm-hmm. around. Yeah. And on the flip side, those guys playing the Rebel Fleet Troopers, they had that panic. Yeah. Down. They, they have yeah. this, these plans for the Death Star and that door is stuck and they're trying to get the attention of somebody on the other side of the door. Mm-hmm. Then when they realize it's down to two and they realize that that door is not opening, it's like, no, just take that. Stop arguing and take the plans. So awesome. And they take them right as that lightsaber goes through the yes. door and Vader so throws cool. it open and you just see him scrambling. He trips over the door frame and he's mm-hmm. just scrambling on the slick ground. So awesome. As Vader's just behind him tearing through mm-hmm. the only people you ever really saw stormtroopers kill and all the stuff right. yeah. <laughs> uh. i i loved that sequence so much and i hadn't i mean obviously like i kind of figured yeah we're gonna get a uh darth vader scene but it wasn't really present in my mind throughout the movie and the moment that you see i'm just the way that it's set up is so beautiful it's like it's you're in that corridor you you're with the with the rebels and then it's just complete darkness and you hear the breathing and then you see the freaking lightsaber and the moment that that he that he did the lightsaber i was like oh shit we're in for some stuff now. <laughs> yeah. this is this is gonna be good um and yeah it was it was really really fantastic um and that kind of <laughs> um to kind of circle back to something that I, w- I wanted to touch on a little bit um and then we can kind of start wrapping up because i don't know if we have anything more to discuss <laughs> yeah but um the fact that this movie retroactively fixes to an extent one of the problems or one of the gripes that people have with the original trilogy with the first movie in that um you know they have this huge base this huge huge um i almost said star killer um this whole <laughs> death star um <laughs> And it's like, oh, this little like you can you can fire something in this little thing and it's gonna blow up the whole thing. What the hell? Like, I love that this that this movie corrects that. It retcons that to be this was a design. This was a flaw that was by design as as a trap. And I I freaking love that so much. It it kind of ruins some of the uh, dialogue in Kevin Smith's Clerks, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I just, I really liked it. I, I really liked it. I thought, wasn't that, weren't they talking about Return of the Jedi? Uh, I don't care. Um, but yeah, so anyway, in Clerks. Anyway, I'm all over the place. What did you no, guys think of Jedi? That? Jedi was, uh, Clerks was Jedi talking about, and they were okay. talking about the contractors. They were. Yeah. I thought that they were, I thought that they griped about that it was just that. Okay, maybe I'm thinking of something else. Anyway, yeah, that was, it never really stood out to me as, as a flaw in A New Hope, um, which is surprising because, Going back and listening to OV one forty four to one forty six, um, I mean, I was nitpicking the shit out of those movies. Slightly. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, you Twilight had a thesis with, statement. I did, I did. Um, you know, Twilight with Muppets, but um, <laughs> get out. Anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, which I don't even. Rem- yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. So. But having that 
included in this movie, having like that them thinking like, okay, well let's let's fix this. Um, first of all, I love that it's you know them thinking like, okay, well what what are some things that George Lucas messed up? On? Yeah, <laughs> it's like let's let's fix that. Um, and I just I love how it it fits so well. Uh, how'd you guys think of that? How'd you guys feel about that um, plot element for this movie? I mean, I I liked it as well. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it did explain. Everyone has always had that question since they've watched A New Hope. You know, what? Why is there this big flaw? Mm -hmm. And and we've all had that question. And this answers it really well. Mm -hmm. And even if that's all the whole movie did, I think it's successful. Mm -hmm. Um, And it did way more than that. So obviously it was a good movie. And and yeah, I'm glad to have that question answered. Mm -hmm. You know, being fans of Lost... I think we, <laughs> yeah. we, we acknowledge that you don't always want your questions answered and it right. could be a good thing not to get them answered. <laughs> um, but that, that was something that we've all wondered before. Right. And, and it was, it's kind of cool to have a conclusive answer for it now. But did the X wing as it was plumbing into the gate, did it, did it, the, did the shriek of it, did it say the word Han? Shut um, up. <laughs> that's a reference to season two of lost or season one's finale of lost. But anyway, um, Hashtag Hurley Bird. Nice but reference. Anyway, yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Tony, how'd you, how'd you feel about that before you run out of this apartment and never contact us again? No, because it's going to take me a few minutes to get my microphone back. Because <laughs> microphones aren't cheap. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I think you're right. And unfortunately, that, that was a thing that was spoiled for me. Oh, yeah. On yeah. Uh, Twitter was someone mm-hmm. going, you know, going along the lines of, Rogue One was great. Now the haters about the uh, thermal exhaust port will shut up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, that's you, a bummer. You bag of dicks. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, you're no longer bleeping, right? Yes. Oh no, 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 <laughs> no bleeps. No bleeps. Yeah, <laughs> see, I, I I went ahead and held off on learning the whole George Carlin seven words. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. So we'll save that for the next time. Yeah. There we go. Okay, never. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, seriously though, was no that was a, that was a great plot point great story point yeah was that they they grabbed a hold of this little once again this little nitpick Mm -hmm. that everyone's had so even though you've got to admit torpedoes doing the 90 degree uh turn down right well that's uh but it's it's space fantasy not straight science right 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 right. the han solo movie will correct that no no doubt (laughs) so yeah to kind of kind of kind of wind things down a little bit. Um, one thing I do want to mention before we kind of wrap up the episode is that, um, when talking about the death star and displaying the, the power of the death star and everything, I, I like the way that the movie integrated the kind of seventies, seventies sci-fi aesthetic of the control panels and the designs of the, of the uh, costuming and everything. And they integrated into a movie that is, that is, you know, present day. Like it's, it was a seamless thing. Like you, I, I love that. And I'm, I'm a fan of that kind of design of like, um, like kind of, you know, 60s, 70s sci-fi movies. Um, like Moonraker is one of my favorite Bond movies because (laughs) of that. But yeah, Tony, I know that you have a, a, a big, history with costuming and stuff. So how did you feel about the integration of the old and the new style? Well, that was something I actually had a note on was, Mm -hmm. um, even the appearance of the actors, Mm -hmm. the facial hair, the sideburns, it all was reminiscent of what the actors look like in 77 through, uh, 
when Jedi came out, 83? 83. 83. Around in there. 83, sure. So, yeah, just smile and nod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just sit there and look pretty, Matt. That's what you're here for. <laughs> but, um, but no, and, and like, and like you said, they did, I mean, I don't know if it's exact to what you saw on mm-hmm. A New Hope when they yeah. were flipping the switches and starting the beam up, but it looked very, very close and it looked mm-hmm. very good and it, it just fit. Yeah. Even all the way down to what you saw on the planet surfaces on the different planets. Mm-hmm. You know, the jail cell they were in was very reminiscent to Jabba's yeah. jail yeah. cells and just, yeah, everything kept the same design aesthetic. Right. And it was just really good how they, unlike other things where, you know, Star Trek is, for example, is notorious for setting something earlier, but making it look better. Right. Yeah. Well, heck, even the prequels set stuff earlier, but made it look better, even though their mm-hmm. excuse was, you know, everything broke down over time due to the war. But, yeah. <laughs> right. Which I, did you guys notice that the transport that Jen was being carried in was also the same type of transport that was used by the uh, Republic forces in the prequels? I did. I noticed that. I noticed and I was like, oh man, I knew I was a bit of a nerd, but this is like a nerd <laughs> moment. It's like yes. they're they're acknowledging the prequels in this film, right? In in, in, a, in a good way, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I noticed that as well, and I, I feel like I feel like what they did is they blended very well. They, they blended mm-hmm. that old style, old if you will, from nineteen seventy seven. No offense, Tony, um, <laughs> with with modern CGI Brent. tactics. Brent. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I I can point to episode three, at the end of episode three, where Yoda and Senator Organa are having that conversation on the ship and it's all that style and it's all CGI and it looks like shit in that movie. Mm-hmm. But this movie, it felt, it felt right. It feels like they blended the CGI with those old filmmaking, all pra- not all, but practical effects, you know, mm-hmm. it, it felt right. They blended it well. And it, I, I think it's, I think it was a good homage to, the original trilogy. Well, the question mm-hmm. is, and I, like I said, because after the second trailer, I tried to avoid any and all information yeah. about this film. Okay. How much of this is CG and how much of it was practical sets mm-hmm. and practical effects? Yeah, I'm curious. Um, remember J.J. Abrams for Force Awakens brought back, he, he blended the CG with yeah. the practical, yeah. but he did not do the George Lucas shoot everything on a green screen and fill it in later. Right. He had actual sets and actual, mm-hmm. um, actual props, actual makeup, makeup on creatures yeah. and stuff like that. So I'm now that I'm done avoiding spoilers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of interested to see how much of that, um, Edwards, so yeah, Gareth Edwards, Gareth right? Edwards, Gareth yeah. Edwards, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm curious. On this. I'm curious about that myself, and I, I feel like in episode seven, The Force Awakens, we felt I, I felt the practicality of it more than I did with Rogue One. Mm-hmm. But again, there there wasn't just a ridiculous green screen like the prequels. Right. Uh, it, it felt much more natural in, in Rogue One. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. and one one last scene for me. Sure. As she was climbing up the tower mm-hmm. to get up to the dish, when you hit that hatch that would just randomly open and <laughs> yeah. close, yeah, 
Was I the only one thinking Galaxy Quest, this episode was poorly written or badly written? <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's yeah, funny I didn't make that connection, but I will now. <laughs> but yeah. I'm, just, I'm just seeing that. It's like, why do they have a hatch? Yeah. yeah. Just randomly opening and closing. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. That reminded but, uh, me of like a video game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. My yeah bu- Galaxy Quest, and I'm going through the whole chopper sequence. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. <laughs> yeah, my butthole puckered up on that one. Me too, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, about the Death Star, and we can, again, start winding down and wrapping up. Um, did you guys know the Ryan Johnson cameo? Have you guys heard about that? No. Uh, the the guy that was uh, throwing his arm over his eyes as yeah. the lasers going by oh, on really? the, the platform without the, the safety rails. Yeah, yeah, without the safety rails. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Okay, I didn't know um, that. Yeah, and I thought that was pretty cool. Like he's yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Um, and of course, he's directing episode eight. Yeah. Right. Um, and also, <laughs> my my thought of uh, my confusion over clerks making the reference to uh, uh, a new hope the exhaust. Port, whatever it is, uh, thermal port, thermal yeah. exhaust port, thermal yeah. exhaust port. I was there. So you were there. You yeah, bounced around both sides. Yeah. yeah. Um, that the confusion was that they referenced it in the uh, Family Guy Star Wars yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't um, be doing my job if I wasn't asking. What's right. the one flaw? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought of that. We can we can we can fix it, but uh, let's, uh, let's see how much it costs. <laughs> um, Let's get estimates or whatever. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so uh, I guess we can kind of wrap things up here. Uh, final thoughts on Rogue One. Um, how many more times are you guys planning on seeing it? Um, will this grace your Blu-ray collection? <laughs> and uh, and how do you feel about it overall? And I was wondering, should we start like doing like ratings for movies that we... Yeah. Like, Why? I, I give here? one every time, I think. I think so too, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Tony, you're a listener. What? Uh, any suggestions? Why? Okay. You like it? You don't like it? For a while there, on my gotcha. media Mondays, I was doing how many beers did you need to, or how much <laughs> did you need to yeah. drink to enjoy the film? Nice. You know, just enjoy a nice glass of juice, or <laughs> do just just keep the drinks coming, sort of thing. <laughs> when, nice. when Obsessive Viewer was only a blog. And bef- like like the six months before we started the podcast, and I was just writing reviews and stuff. I had a meticulous yes rating system that was based on like okay, uh, would you like blind buy this would be the top of the line, uh, like seat in theater blind buy and buy it used rent on Netflix <laughs> rent on Redbox like it was really convoluted and weird. So um, okay, so let's scrap the whole rating thing because obviously <laughs> that's that's an asinine. Well, I, li- I like to do it because I feel like people when they read a review or hear a review some people just like to have that number they can sure. point to and so that's why sometimes i like that myself mm-hmm. you know how many stars did they give it what did they give it out of 10 right. so that's why i throw it in but okay gotcha. i understand it's not for everybody yeah. yeah okay tony you you listen to the podcast so i i will defer to your judgment and uh, you already said no so that's 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 good enough for me i don't care i'm gonna um, do it I'm, I'm sure the <laughs> facebook group is going to dog pile on me because they're all good yeah. ratings probably right, right. you know and all believe- five of us <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah which is the perfect time to say if you haven't joined the facebook group please god join the facebook group yeah um we actually do have some good stuff there but anyway um and i believe that this is the second time in recent weeks that i've asked for feedback on live on the air on the podcast uh from a guest so i am so sorry <laughs> um anyway uh overall thoughts and then we can wrap up uh, Tony, you want to go first? 
Okay. Um, well, you know, you asked, yes, this will be Grace in the Blue Way. Blue, Blue Way? <laughs> Marriage. Love. Perfect. Yes, this will be gracing the Blu-ray collection upon release. Um, not sure if I'm going to go with any ultra special edition. I mean, I'm right. still waiting for the original trilogy to come out on Blu-ray right. because, you know, Disney is going to figure out the amount of money they're going to be able to make there. Yeah. So those will be coming out. I They'll do it someday. I, I would think that they would, you know, do it for this May since it's the anniversary. I think they're going to wait till um, after episode nine. Really? Yeah. Okay. Ultra ultra giant box set that comes in a Death Star case. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But um, or a Star Killer base case. <laughs> um, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Same difference. I'm up to here. Okay? <laughs> this isn't even my podcast. I'm up to here. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, yeah, Do you, yeah. No, you it's it's going to grace the collection. It it exceeded my expectations, even though I will admit my expectations were low, despite sure. wanting to see something that was my Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it still was, no matter how much we dance around it and how much you want to make fun of it, it was a prequel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, sure, it's a side story. It's not one of the main, it's not the main storyline. It's still a Star Wars prequel. Mm-hmm. And like I said, even though those had their moments, Overall, they were not the best. So, yeah. right, <laughs> right, yeah. Tiny overall thoughts on Rogue One. Um, I did like the movie. I feel like I kind of mm-hmm. took a lot of shots at it, but yeah. I mean, I know Tony doesn't like this, but I would give it like a seven out of ten, maybe okay. seven and a half. You're um, horrible. For <laughs> for reference, <laughs> I think I gave Episode Seven an eight and a half or a nine mm-hmm. out of ten. I loved that. Um, but it's it's a good movie, and it, it will be gracing my Blu-ray collection as well. Nice. Um, yeah, it was cool. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I tweeted this out, but um, if the anthology movies, if the standalone Star Wars movies continue down this path, um, like I came out of The Force Awakens not being like a diehard Star Wars fan. Like I went into it thinking like, okay, well, we'll see if it can, if it can make me interested in it the way that Star Trek, J.J. Abrams' Star Trek made me want to check out Star Trek. So that achieved its goal, but I didn't come away from it thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm a massive fan of Star Trek, Star Wars now. Um, but I came out of Rogue One thinking, you know, if they continue down this path where they keep, where they create these, really interesting realized versions or stories that would fill somewhat film, fill the gaps of the franchise as a whole. I could see me, me maybe con- being converted down the road. Um, and I think that it, it, it's a step in the right direction. And, uh, for me, and I really, I really liked it. There were some qualms there that I had. I had some issues with the story and some issue with the CGI that was used and everything. But overall, um, even though the characters weren't, quite there for me i was really along for the ride and i think that it was a really really strong movie and uh it makes me excited for what's to come um and speaking of which final thought han solo uh anthology movie how are you guys feeling about that because i'm still even still after rogue one after the force awakens i'm still thinking like we'll see um i don't want like a origin story of how he met Chewie or anything. I just want it to be a, a, a prequel story with Han Solo, young Han Solo. Um, how do you guys feel about it going forward? Well, it's going to be young Han Solo and a young Lando. 
Mm-hmm. So pass there. I I haven't given it any thought. Mm-hmm. I haven't put too much thought into it either. And I mean, obviously, I'm going to go see it, and I'm probably going to like it. So right. I mean, it's almost not even really worth thinking about it that much to me. Mm-hmm. But there are certain things I would like to see in it. I actually I want to see him meet Chewie. Like I I want to see Interesting. that. I mean, that's I think that'd be fun. And sure, I one of my gripes or my personal qualms about Rogue One is I didn't it didn't feel super grounded to me in the mm-hmm. franchise. Um and and I think part of that is because with the exception of Tarkin and, and Vader and a couple other people, there's none of the original characters or the original characters we don't get any any meat from them, I guess. And I'm if I think if we have Han Solo featured in a movie, I'll connect to it a little bit more and maybe like it a little bit more. That's but understandable. I don't know. I heard the the kid from The Walking Dead, Chandler Rigg, was at one point was in the front runner to be cast in him. And, I, and when I heard that, I was like, no, no, <laughs> which that kid just sucks. Yeah. He's not a good actor. So I was like, really, I think he has a good look. I think mm. he could look like Han Solo, but he's just a terrible actor. Right. So when, you know that they've casted the. I know they have, yeah, but I'm it. saying when yeah. when I heard that, I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I was really worried about the Han Solo movie. Right. See, when um, I found out it wasn't going to be a television series that would mm-hmm. have an old Han Solo with like an eye patch sitting on a bench talking huh. about the young Han Solo adventures. Oh, is that know. is that a reference? Is that a reference to something, or is that a genuine the young Indiana Jones? Young Indiana Jones? Thinking, is that yeah. how? It, oh, okay. <laughs> so I had no idea that that's how young Get Indiana Jones. Off my lawn! <laughs> oh wow! Well, I think we've talked out this movie quite yeah. a bit. This is a big, big episode, um, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, I guess this is as good a time as any that this is the last episode for 2016. Um, yeah. we're gonna take a week off for the holidays and also to kind of gather our data for our big and year in review episode that's going to come in a couple weeks so um having said all that i hope you guys have a great holiday and i'm all the time all the time now i am almost ending this podcast with what i say at work and in my call center job but uh before we go tony thank you for coming and being on the podcast really uh really great to have you here and uh once again, why don't you give everyone a rundown of where they can find you online and your work and everything. All right. Once again, I'm Tony Troxel at Indiana Geeking on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, Google Plus. I no longer have a Tumblr. Um, yeah, no. Um, you can also <laughs> find the uh, blog at geekinginindiana.com. Um, it is going to be coming back with a vengeance in 2017. Beautiful. Going to get back to... Uh, Content uh, Monday through Friday. Going to start trying to alternate uh, between a podcast and a YouTube nice. um, video every week. I'm uh, going to start building a puppet. We're going to be having an Indiana geeking puppet. So nice. you awesome. can also uh, keep your eye open for me at uh, any local conventions. I'm normally I stand out very well. I'm the big bald guy with the facial hair wearing a Hawaiian shirt and a fez. Yeah, I really stand out at a convention. Yeah. Half the people there look like me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks again for coming on, and uh, I'm glad that we got to have you on for Rogue One. And, um, Anytime. Anytime. Yeah, awesome. And uh, all right. Well, if 
That's all. Also, before we go, check out my solo side project podcast anthology, which I'm wrapping up season one of The Twilight Zone and uh, wrapping up my bonus review series of Black Mirror. I'm going episode by episode. Um, So check that out at anthologypod.com. And uh, thanks again to Tony for joining us. And thanks again to Mike, our co-host on sabbatical, for uh, calling in with his uh, review. And yeah, we'll see you guys next time in the new year in 2017 for our year in review episode. And uh, having said all that, thank you guys for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. I keep kept forgetting how I end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>